What's going on, Drinking Buddies? Brand new one coming right at you. But real quick, you know what time it is. Time for a word from our sponsors. Those fine folks that bring you this show and me into your ear holes every week. First and foremost, we are brought to you by the video versions of it Now We Drink. The video versions are available on Vimeo for 99 cents an episode or $6 a month gets you every episode streaming. You can't beat it. The madness in full HD. See the facial expression. See the nudity. Get the full feel of the show. So go to www.anwd.net slash videos. Once again, that is www.anwd.net slash videos to get the full video versions today. We are also brought to you this week by our friends at Vinyl Me Please. Vinyl Me Please is the record of the month club. The best damn record of the month club. In fact, every month, Vinyl Me Please features one album that is essential to the modern vinyl collection. Each record is pressed exclusively for Vinyl Me Please. As features you can't get anywhere else. Things like bonus tracks, inserts, color variants, and comes packaged with a 12 by 12 album-inspired art print and custom cocktail pairing recipe. Can't beat it. Awesome vinyl, rad art, new cocktails. What else could you possibly want? It's the best of all worlds. And Vinyl Me Please isn't like Record of the Month Clubs of old. It's month to month, no strings attached, cancel anytime. So check them out today at www.joinvmp.com slash anwd. Once again, that is www.joinvmp.com slash A-N-W-D. Last but not least, we are brought to you by our friends at Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly mystery crate that delivers the best in geek and gaming gear. From collectibles, apparel, tech gadgets, art, and other epic gear, it's like Comic-Con in a box. For less than 20 a month, you get 6 to 8 items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, and unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. You have till the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe to receive that most crate when the cutoff happens, that's it. Lights off. Party's over. So if you want to get epic geek and gaming gear, go to www.trylootcrate.com slash ANWD. Once again, that is www.trylootcrate.com slash ANWD. And be sure to enter the code BRIDGE10 to save it 10% on any new subscriptions. My guest this week is author Claire Rudy Foster. We had a, just a great conversation. The first time we, this one was set up by my buddy, Robert Dean. And we go everywhere from dating apps to rape culture to all sorts of wackiness. It was a super fun episode. Uh, forgive the audio. There were some technical difficulties with the recording. But I hope you enjoy the fuck out of this episode. I really enjoyed making it. So sit back, relax, pop a cold one, and enjoy Drinking Buddies. We already started the podcast before we started the podcast. <laughs> like, walked in the door, we just started talking movies. It's on. And we've fallen into rape culture, everyone's favorite topic. You know, you can't talk about culture without talking about rape culture, I think. I really don't. I think it's everywhere. And I think that, um, you know, like we were saying, like I think a lot of men really resist talking about it because it it is inherently uncomfortable. Oh, 100%. Super uncomfortable. And like you said, like, I don't think you can say the words rape to a man without him immediately reviewing his own behavior and being like, shit, did I do? Well, it, 
it's my, twofold. When you like, you know, if you'd said to me, hey, 10 years ago, rape, I've been like, I've never held someone down and forced yeah. myself on them. Yeah. And then hearing these women's stories from any audience who doesn't know, I'm producing a sexual assault survivors podcast for a client. And I'm hearing a lot of fucking horrific stories. Mm -hmm. I think I mentioned it previously on an episode, but if I hadn't, or you're just tuning in. Surprise. Surprise. It's a thing that's happening. Welcome to our trigger warning. Right. <laughs> and that, that the show's not normally full of them. No, but we, we like to, we like to start hard and then taper off. So yeah. Until I was hearing these stories. I mean, I've definitely never done anything as egregious as Harvey Weinstein or Bill Cosby or any mm -hmm. of these other people. I've, mm -hmm. but it's still a self-examination of like, hey, did I misread the room and was aggressive? Have I, you know. Did I make somebody feel threatened? Right. Did I make someone feel threatened? Did someone consent in duress? Yeah. Like, hey, we're drunk. Hey, let's do this. Yeah. Uh, like that Aziz story. About yeah. Well, and the photographer. The Aziz story to me sounded like a bad date. It sounded like a lot of things to me. To me, what is less interesting about that particular story is not what happened in that hotel room that particular night, but the many conversations that it spawned elsewhere. You know, and again, like men in particular, not not feeling supported in looking at their own behavior. And like, maybe I was an accomplice to someone else being triggered. Like how, you know, if you're the woman in that situation, how do you advocate for yourself? Like, what are the social pressures? It's a very complex issue. Oh, definitely. And it's definitely not anything that, like... It's never clear-cut. It's never clear-cut, and dudes are never really given any guidance on it. I, true. I, th I think that's a, that's a really fair thing to say. You know, I, I feel like, um, and I say this as a survivor um, also, like, big surprise. <laughs> if you have a pussy, you might be a survivor. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> or I, not, as the case may be. I, I definitely said, like, when there was a whole discussion about this on my Facebook, one, someone's like, well, yeah, one in three women. I'm like, uh, in my life, it's it would be... one in three, dog. It's got to be more... Uh, it would be three out of one. Right. Or three out of four. Right. <laughs> it's, I think the reported numbers and the actual experiences are very, very different. And yeah, I agree that, like, men are not guided to that. Um, I mean, the parallel that I draw is, like, parenting, where, like, if you're a good parent, you probably question your parenting at some point. You're not like, yeah, fucking kids, I got this. I'm the best fucking parent on the planet. I don't vaccinate and I give them whiskey at night. What's the problem? It worked for me. <laughs> hey, whiskey at night's fine. Yeah, no. just, put a, just put a little on the, you know, the oh, pacifier. God. They go right out. See, that's for adult babies. <laughs> no, no, no. That, those are airplane bottles. <laughs> What's a pacifier going to do unless I'm rolling? <laughs> But yeah, around the rape culture stuff, man, like I think, um, you know, for me, it's something that I definitely noticed when I started transitioning. You know, um, I was assigned female at birth. I grew up more or less like as a hot babe. You know, at some point, um, you know, I was doing some acting and, and it was it was interesting. I was 19 or 20. And it was that time in my life when it seemed like everybody around me needed to cast a tall, curvy blonde. And that's what I was, you know, and it took me places. It was fun. I got a lot of attention. Um, and I just, you know, one of the things that I've had to reconcile in my transition is one, giving up that power because that's not what I look like anymore. But also, although I think I will never have male privilege because I'm not a man, never going to be a man, um, the way that the trans body is coded 
is so different. You know what I mean? It's like, I think that we have some parallels where like men of a certain type are immediately viewed as predators, right? It's like, you see it in the media, you see it on TV and movies, like that's a bad guy. You should watch out for him. He's slimy, he's creepy, he's dark. Um, he grabs these long nails, like a creepy guy. Right. Like a Nosferatu type. And then you've got the trans body, which is in some ways inherently viewed as a threat. You know, because I have started to look more masculine because I have a deep voice, I'm still tall. I can be very physically imposing. I've noticed that the way that women, including queer women, like in predominantly, predominantly queer spaces, have started responding to my body in a completely different way. And it causes me to fucking check myself. You know what I'm saying? It's like my stuff around consent has been solid fucking gold because I cannot afford to take risks that are going to get me excluded from my community. No, and that's super important. The last thing you want to do is alienated for mm -hmm. some stupid little mistake. Some stupid mistake or a miscommunication or a misunderstanding. Like, I cannot afford to have those things. And I think that what differentiates me from a man is that a guy has this cultural privilege, in part due to rape culture, where he can just shove it off and be like, eh, whatever. She didn't, you know, like, she, whatever. She's, she's a dumb bitch. Like, she, you know, it was a misunderstanding. There are other women. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. I mean, you know, I feel like sex, you know, we again, like we put it on a pedestal and like it's so it's supposed to be beautiful and spiritual and meaningful and whatever. And you're having very different sex than I am. <laughs> you see my hands. <laughs> it's all about love, baby. Uh, but, you know, like the flip side of that is that sex is a lot of different things depending on the situation. You know, platonic love is is a beautiful thing. And I, I think it's really fucking undervalued. I really do. You know, I, I too have had a lot of like, I mean, I, I consider most of my friendships romantic on some level. It's like if I like somebody, regardless of their gender, it's like, I'll fucking take you to the museum. I'll bring you fucking flowers. <laughs> I'll gas you up all the time. You know what I'm saying? I'll tell you how cute you are and like take you to dinner and, and um, you know, watch TV with you and do, you know, all, all that stuff. Um, and that's just, just kind of the person that I am. But I also know that introducing actual sexual tension into those relationships kind of it kind of destroys the magic of it. It definitely does. And I mean, I have some female friends that I'm super close with. Mm -hmm. And but I could also never actually be romantically involved with them. Yeah, I could never. I could never. The sweet stuff. Absolutely. I think yeah. I, I need that. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, one of my good female friends two years ago was just having a shit time. And I ditched a party and just showed up at her place with champagne. Aww. And we just watched Bandersnatch and drank champagne. That, that sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> right. But her and I will never be romantically yeah. involved. Even if it was on the table, I couldn't do it. Yeah, you couldn't do it. And, and you don't need to. And I it's think. not that she's not drop dead gorgeous. Yeah. It's not like, oh my God, Matt's mm -hmm. not fucking the fatty. It's no, <laughs> she's, she's gorgeous. It's just there are some personality disconnects that yeah. like if we were romantically involved would just wouldn't work just wouldn't work and it's yeah, like i'd be throwing away yeah. but a young me 100 percent would have been like well young you probably wouldn't have the ability to discern that exactly just like uh, i don't know i think that when we're younger like all intimacy is essentially like an absolute value it's like it's intimate ergo it must be this way or it must be that way and i don't know about you but i've really been benefiting from not having the same kind of intimacy in every relationship. I mean, I'm trying. 
You're very trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Progress, not perfection. Exactly. I mean, there are definitely times where it's like, oh, but, but uh, uh, you're pretty and I like spending time you're with pretty you. And you keep pointing your eyes at me and your you're, whole face is nice. <laughs> right. I would like to my face, your face. Yeah. Our, your face, my face. Let's put my it face, on the calendar. Ja- my face, your candles. Uh, what you got? What you got? Yeah. <laughs> how, how fast do you want to do this? <laughs> yeah yeah it's so funny i've had that relationship too you know i can remember i had a friend we were you know sort of you know it was platonic but like there was definitely some like romantic tension and i just remember going to him once you know it was late at night you know i think we were probably both stoned as hell this was a while ago (laughs) i just remember being like dude i'll tell you what i'll give you an hour you take it for a test drive. We see how it goes. <laughs> if it doesn't pan out, no harm, no foul. We don't have to talk about it unless you want to. But I have questions that I want answered. And after the, like I said, a timer. <laughs> when the timer went off, we got out of bed. We had a fucking pizza. And we just sort of went back to being friends. Like it was, it was kind of perfect. That's awesome. Yeah, it was in retrospect. It was kind of like a Kevin Smith movie, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> some truth in art occasionally i hear he's very happy and that makes me happy that's awesome that's awesome did you regret that it didn't go no i didn't okay no um i think it's really again like life is not a movie i think it's always really tempting to be like oh this rom-com setup like you know we were just we were lovers for an hour and we just knew it was meant to be but like i think it's unfair to set somebody up with expectations in those situations. I would never do something like that where I was like, and now you will fall in love with me. Now we will be together forever. I think that's kind of fucked up. A test drive is a fucking test drive and that goes both ways. True, true. But the problem is sometimes after a test drive, someone does love the car. I mean, that's possible. Sometimes it's a rental. You know what I'm saying? Like when I date now, I, I I've become so draconian in my old age. Like, <laughs> I love dating. I love dating. I love having a girlfriend. Um, I'm very upfront when I start seeing somebody that it's a, it's a non-exclusive agreement until it becomes exclusive by a mutual agreement. And it takes me about a year to form a serious attachment to somebody. I really think that you don't, you don't start to get to know who somebody is for the first year. You know, it's like, I can't see somebody every night. So it's not like college where you're just like shacking up for six weeks and then you're like crazy and in love with each other. But like, I can date you like an adult, which means I will see you probably once or twice a week for 90 days, at which point we will reassess what happens. You know, if it's working out, we keep seeing each other. Like, I hate to say it, but like my romance has become very cut and dried. Not at all like my friendships. Well, and that's the thing. As adults, we only have so much fucking time in the day. So true. It's not like high school or college where it's just like, hey, I'll see you. I'll see you. Yeah. Us. We have two classes we'll together see you in an hour, less than an hour, which felt like forever in those days. It did. Time was different back then. I know. I realized as I get older, that time is like a fucking flat circle. It, well, it's, <laughs> no, oh God, no, no, no. But it is like a fucking movie editing timeline mm-hmm. where it's like, well, yeah, when there's not much of it, you know, the, the the bar goes slow. Yeah, right. When it's huge, it's just... Yeah, I'm always like, where's my fucking victory montage? This is taking forever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Me when, and, uh, when do we get to the part where I'm happy? Right? Oh, me and Robert Dean were actually talking about that last night. Oh, yeah? Because it's just, uh, you know, we're both at interesting places in our careers. When 
When is... When? If, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. There's a whole lot of maybes out there, man. Yeah, I've been thinking about that, too. You know, that's not, like... It's not a new concept for me. I've been doing this... I've been doing this shit for a while. Um, and one thing that continues to come up is the waiting. And I feel like I not only do some of my best work when I'm waiting, but also I learn a lot about myself, a lot about myself. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you go on a road trip, imagine you're on a road trip and the fucking radio goes out and you're in Montana, you know, like for me, the first hour is just like, la, 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 totally fine, straight highway. And then after the first hour, I start talking to myself. And that's when I start like learning what the fuck is actually going on in my brain. It's the same way when I'm waiting for somebody to get back to me about something. No, I, I get that. I totally get that. I just, the waiting game feels like for me, it feels like being kicked in the shins a lot of times. It's just like, yeah, it's like, hard. It's not anything that I won't overcome. It, and it's like, what are you doing in the meantime? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, this this book that I wrote, this uh, Shine of the Ever, like, I'll, I'll be really blunt with you, like, almost every one of these stories has been rejected hundreds of times from other journals, hundreds of times. Many of them I wrote when I was waiting to hear back on those rejections. And when I put them together, I'm like, what's not working for readers with these, like, for editors specifically? Like, what's not working with these stories? Oh, they're all gay. Oh. And I put them together and started rewriting them. But like, these are the stories that nobody else wanted until they were in a collection together. And I would not have realized that if they'd been accepted or if they'd been like rushed through, if they'd had more early success, it, that just wouldn't have fucking happened for me. And they might not have been as noticed or as well received if they weren't part of the anthology. I think so. Like the last couple pushes, like I've been so fucking blessed with my with my publisher, uh, Interlude Press is a fucking ride or die indie press. Holy shit. It's run by power lesbians in New York. Nice. They have spreadsheets. Oh, God. They have spreadsheets. <laughs> They've been just wonderful. Like they're super hands on and they're fucking really professional and they like hockey. Like what's it's a perfect fit. Truly a perfect fit. And like the last couple months of edits and rewrites were for me just, I mean, you know how it is. Like, it's just grueling, like really having to look at what you've done <laughs> and like, why did I write it like this? Why are these sentences so wimpy? <laughs> but it was really, really hard. And I feel like without their support, you know, that last month of just pulling everything together would not have happened. And again, like I've just... It's uncomfortable, but I have never benefited from rushing through something, even though I know I could and it would be fine. It's not enough. Like, fine's not enough for me. No, fine's not enough. Almost everybody can do fine. Yeah. The, the extraordinary is what rises to the top. That's what I want. It, it kind of <laughs> chaps my ass, dude. Like, I got some feedback uh, from from my agent, actually, who is supposed to be on my team. And they said... Uh, you know, I want, I'd, I'd given them a chapter of something. I'm working on a proposal for a, a memoir called Mom Binary, which is about going through my transition as my son goes through his first adolescence, which is, we have a lot in common all of a sudden. Um, anyway, my agent gets back to me. is like, I want you to rewrite this and here's some suggestions. And like, they were very good suggestions, but their comment was, I mean, the way that you write, like your first draft is an ordinary person's fourth or fifth. 
so you need to work harder. And I'm like, fuck you, Trevor. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want, (laughs) I want you to love me the way that I am as a slacker. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You're saying I can't just sit here on my ass? I can't just, you know, I can't phone this in? What the hell? You know, it's really hard when you see other people doing the phoning in bullshit and getting places. It really, it really. that That is actually. It really bums me out. Another thing that me and Robert were talking about the other night was like, it is fucking frustrating. It's like, you see shitty people that are putting out shitty products yes. that are more successful. Yeah, we're like, they have more hype or or whatever, you know, and. I, somebody somebody on Twitter pointed out, I thought this was a really good point, that, like, even though, like, the publicity machine is, like, this, you know, this thing is amazing. This thing's a piece of shit. High, low, high, low, 100, zero, 100, zero. Like, most stuff lands in the middle somewhere, you know, and it's usually, like, not this is good, but this is sufficiently good with promising analytics and a good, you know, a good spread for coverage. Like that's what success looks like. It has nothing to do with the actual value of the piece. No, and a lot of it is just how it can be marketed. Yeah, it's been interesting. I've been looking a lot. Do you mind if I get nerdy for a second? Please. Okay, so I'm a dweeb. So one of the things I've been paying a lot of attention to lately is blurbs, like the blurb on the cover of the book. You'll notice there is no blurb on the cover of my book. Mm-mm. Nope. No blurb. No blurb. I do have a line from Oprah Magazine on the back of the final copy because it's Oprah. What's not to like? Well, then that sells a thousand ships for books. So I like- mean, well, the editor at Oprah Magazine, uh, Michelle, was such an advocate for this book and like really, like I really appreciated her, you know, putting it out there and, and doing that. Um, it made a big difference for me. But I've been looking at the front cover blurbs and like, who puts their name on which projects and why. And I'm realizing that for some authors, blurbing other works is a method of getting their own name out there. It's like if you put your name on five books that may not be great, but that are going to do well and have distribution and get attention, and they're going to be in front of a lot of different readers, like you're essentially doing somebody a solid in order to have free exposure. And I'm like, damn, that is cold-blooded. Why do I think that way? But it's 100% accurate. Oh, my God, it is. I'm like, this is maybe why we all know Roxane Gay's name. Like, she does a lot of free work for other writers. And ergo, her name is on everything. She is bankable. Right. And then once you have the name and recognition, maybe you can vote it in. Yep. Because like, oh, hey, that's going to sell. Yep. I want my name on that future bestseller. Exactly. Right? (sighs) I want those problems. In due time. You really think so? Hopefully. How long do we have to wait? I don't want to wait for my life to be over. (laughs) I don't want to wait for my life to be over. And everyone just turned off the podcast. That's right. Like Matt's saying, we're out. It's Paula Cole, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember what a big deal it was when she didn't shave her armpits? Remember that? I don't think she's remembered culturally for anything else except like the armpits and the Dawson's Creek theme song. Yeah, yeah. And the problem is no one even actually really remembers Dawson's Creek at this point. No, it's just that gif of that guy crying. Yeah. Which is a great gif. And like that one of them went on to bang Tom Cruise. Oh, God, I'd forgotten about that. I don't ever think of her as Tom Cruise's ex-wife. 
Like to me, she's just, uh, she's that girl in the cute red cowboy boots in Wonder Boys. I think of her as the friend that got left behind in Go. Oh my God. Yeah. God, I haven't thought about that movie in a minute. Shit. <laughs> that movie is actually really good. Is it held up? I think so. Right on. I would watch that again then. That's good stuff. Non-linear non narration, good characters, good acting. Check, check, check. Yeah, I, I don't know, dude. Like, with the success thing, like, I guess maybe that's the flip side is the Paula Cole effect. It's like, well, what if you wait and then you're, like, fucking massively famous all of a sudden, but it's for your armpits. You don't get to choose what people remember about you. No, no, and <laughs> very few people end up with a career like fucking Prince or... Bless his heart. Rest in peace, Prince. Wherever you are, Prince, please know that I will love you forever. Yeah. No one, so few people get a career, something yes. like that. And even even he, like, I feel like I really want to read the biography that just came out about him, like his his book. Um, I don't remember who blurbed it. Probably nobody. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Hopefully Dave Chappelle. God damn it. <laughs> Oh fuck yeah, Dave Chappelle, bitch. That's all you need to put on the on the cover. But like you know, Prince, like in his in his spiritual growth, like he became a Jehovah's Witness, right? And that was a big deal in his life. That was a big part of who he was, and it was important to him. I remember reading like to a degree that he wouldn't perform some of his racier songs in concert. Those would be played off a loudspeaker or something in the lobby so people could listen to the hits, but he didn't perform those anymore. No darling Nikki. No, no darling Nikki. Or a little red Corvette even. Um which is barely racy. I mean it's got condoms in it. That's pretty hot. Bodily fluids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those can be touchy for witnesses. Bodily fluids. Purity of essence. No uh, presents on Christmas or some shit. But. but I'm saying, like, when you think of Prince, those are the songs you think of. Like, you think oh, yeah. about him as, like, a sexy person. Yeah, just a sex machine. He's sex fucking machine. Like a five-foot-one sex oh, machine. God bless him. <laughs> uh, there will never be another Prince. Uh, I mean, I literally... loss. <laughs> oh, it's such a loss. I literally will, every once in a while, just fire up Purple Rain just for the opening sequence. It's perfect. Yeah. It's like, I know I'm just watching... A very questionable Prince music video, this whole thing. The whole thing. Like, there are definitely some things that do not hold up in modern society out of no. that movie. You know, I saw that movie, was it last year, maybe two years ago on the big screen in Portland? It was so good. Oh, it's so entertaining good. as hell. But there's definitely a, a lot of... <laughs> a lot of... There's a lot, a lot in yeah. that movie. It's yeah. like, it's just very extra. It's, I mean, I'm, it's the same age. I'm, I'm the same age as that movie. So yeah. I feel like we have a lot in common. <laughs> Basically, I'm just looking for reasons to feel like I have an affinity for Prince. <laughs> I think we were all looking for that. I think I think that's maybe I don't know that he would have wanted that for me specifically, but it's there. Um, it's there. And, and like and like I'm saying, like he didn't have any more control over how his legacy is remembered than anybody else. You know what I mean? Like I don't immediately think about God when I think about Prince. Oh no, I think of yeah, 21 positions in a one night stand. <laughs> I mean, he's he's untouchable. Yeah, untouchable. But I mean, can you imagine being like a devout Christian and being like, yeah, but everybody remembers me for like the song about the three way. <laughs> well, I mean, hell, you look at bands like Slayer. Mm -hmm. Tom Araya is a devout Christian, yep. the lead singer of fucking Slayer. Fucking Slayer, dude. Yeah, <laughs> the lead singer of Slayer is a devout Christian. Like, 
His legacy is definitely not Christ. Yeah. Well, it, it is, but well, <laughs> it's for more... for him personally. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's he's sharing the message with the people. Um, <laughs> I just remember as a kid seeing like a fucking James Taylor concert on like you know public TV, public access kind of stuff, and just first of all, James Taylor is bald now, um, which is weird, and then also like the look of just resignation on his face when he started to play Fire and Rain was had a profound effect on me. It was like, look, on the one hand, okay, you're a you're a name, you're a name. Like everybody knows who you are. You have a like heavy hitting discography. You can tour anytime you want. Your bills are fucking paid forever. You wanted to be a musician and now you are. But your trade, the devil's bargain, is that you must play fire and rain to a bunch of middle-aged women every night for the rest of your life. Do you take the deal? Yeah. You do? Oh, my God. I don't know. (laughs) I take the deal because I have no musical talent whatsoever. Oh, so you'll take it. Yeah, I'm like, hell, I would sign up to be in Limp Bizkit. (laughs) Whoa, whoa. Have you been drinking the hot dog flavored water? (laughs) (laughs) That's later in the day. Nah, dude, it's afternoon. <laughs> oh, in that case, well. Van Morrison looked even more depressed about it. Speaking speaking of Limp Bizkit, just on a random little tangent, Fred Durst hosts a jazz night in, in Hollywood every Thursday. Shut up. Yep. Have you been? I'm. It's one of the things I got to go do at some point. It's at Black Rabbit Rose, which is a magic-themed bar. <laughs> God damn, this whole story is so fucking weird. <laughs> well, yeah, Fred Durst hosts the Fred live Durst. It's a live jazz show in the the what now? Black the Magic? Black, Black Rabbit Rose. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. I hope Fred Durst is doing okay. I think he is. I think he's he produced enough bands and he's just like, yeah, yeah I'm gonna this host, is my life now. I'm gonna host a live jazz night. Occasionally Limp Biscuit will play out like at the Troubadour just unannounced. Is this like pretty fancy? Does he like turn his hat around forward for these shows? Or I think so. Would you recognize him without the hat? I'm not sure. I wouldn't. I would be really amazed if he was in a tux and then with the hat. I would not recognize him. <laughs> I would not. He'd have to, I mean, maybe one of those tuxedo t-shirts. But I, knowing how Black Rabbit Rose is, like, because it's actually like a magic club. Okay. Like, he may actually be in a tux hosting this thing. Wow. Wow. Magic. Do you like magic? I'm not opposed to it. I know that's like a pickup artist question. <laughs> Do you want to see a trick? <laughs> uh, I think that's how I lead to, this is how you turn tricks. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy magic. I, it's, I've still never been to the Magic Castle, but I'm waiting for a good opportunity to do that. I have a friend who is also a male porn performer who can get me into the castle. I'm probably not supposed to talk about that on air, but whatever. We'll fix it in post. Or not. Or not. I mean, he's talked about magic and porn when he was on the show, so. I mean, they're kind of the same thing, right? Well, I just trying to convince him that he needs to do a scene where he pops. It doesn't actually pop, and then it appears in the girl's mouth. Oh, <laughs> that'd be amazing. <laughs> Madam, you have a pigeon in your mouth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that would be kind of amazing. Just magic porn. Magic. Well, porn is magic. It's, I don't know, it fools the mind. You believe it's real. Oh, yeah. Until you're actually on a bunch of sets and then. That is fair. That is fair. Yeah, I don't know. Magic means something different in Portland. It's uh, there's been a resurgence of the new age up north. You may be experiencing this here. Okay. Urban outfitters, witches, hipster witches, this sort of thing. 
I, mean, I don't go to Coachella, so. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> do you know what your sign is, your astrological sign? I do. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm old enough where, like, some people actually still use that as a pickup line occasion. It's, it's become a pickup line again. I know. It's just like, it's it's great when it's like, oh, you're gorgeous and we have, com you say we have compatible signs. If awesome. you insist, yes, I believe in astrology now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All of a sudden, like, oh, Aquarius is a sign you fuck with? Hey. Are you an Aquarius I too? Am. Fuck yeah. Give me one of these. My birthday is in a couple of weeks. Oh, me too. When's yours? February 9th. February 3rd. Nice. I know like five really cool people on February 9th though. So automatic trust. Awesome. <laughs> Send me presents. I like presents. I mean, I love presents also. I right. love sending them, love giving them. But yeah, it's it's kind of made a resurgence in like the the like it feels very back to the land kind of stuff. You know, the um the whole like everybody's a child of the cosmos now and and you know, in queer culture especially, like you're expect sort of it's understood that you will have an opinion about astrology and then also be able to talk about it at some detailed length. It's a method of communication. It's a, uh, it's a lot. I'm like, can't we just go back to handkerchief code? <laughs> right? Come on. Can't we just, uh, <laughs> we just fuck. Like, <laughs> it's a black hanky on the right side. <laughs> and I'm an Aquarius. <laughs> just get an embroidered hanky with the Aquarius. Yeah, right. on it. <laughs> you know, I'm sure that probably means something too. <laughs> oh my God. That is the new fashion yeah. for the community. Just That's start right. making colored hankies <laughs> with the embroidered symbol of their astrological sign. Oh, I'm making some money. I'm a leather guy, but only if you're a fire sign. <laughs> <laughs> oh, floggers with fire signs on. Oh my God! Yes, that's a very that's a very Portland idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the wrong city, apparently. You fly north, man. I've always had a good time in Portland. Yeah? When was the last time you were up there? Oh, it's been five, six years. Okay, so that's like 10,000 lesbian years. So Yeah, I mean, 10,000 lesbian relationships have started and ended in, in that time. Namaste. Rest in peace, the Matador. I heard it closed. It did, man. Those They were really good people. They were really good people. I used to, uh, I used to work at a coffee shop across from the bar. And um, in the morning, the owner would come in. Sometimes you're <laughs> usually looking pretty fucked up, but just tired, you know, you know, they, they'd close at two, three in the morning and then just kind of keep going. They were always really good tippers. Nice. Yeah. Just like really sweet, gentle, nice people. And I guess they, you know, it was run by a, a couple. They were married and they just, you know, they just decided to give it up. I don't know what it is now. I think it's probably like a soccer fan. Yeah, I know. <sighs> That was the one bar that was 100% recommended to me when I went to Portland. Like, you have to go to the Matador. Yeah, it's it's it was great while it lasted. I had a great night there. I was there by myself. I ended up getting into an argument with some woman. Go on. And I don't even really remember <laughs> what the argument was about. It sounds amazing. <laughs> we got into a verbal argument. And then after last call, like we were on the street and she just grabbed me and started making out with me. That's the best possible night. Well, if it had progressed further, it would have been the best possible night. No, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, she would have been a pistol in the sack. Jesus Christ. Arguing is foreplay. Mm. I feel like that's sort of going the way of the buffalo, too. I blame rape culture. You know, I would really like to see. <laughs> I mean, like, that's one of the things I love about, like, older movies. You know, like the Bogart and Bacall stuff. Like, there's so much tension and, like... 
um, just so much like Catherine Hepburn movies. Like there's so much that happens verbally before anything else goes down, literally anything else. And I, I miss um, I miss the fiery shit. Well, and that was the thing about those movies in those times. It's like you had to have great dialogue. You had because yeah. there's no special effects. No. Yeah. Or if there were, like, you really tell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what is it like? White heat. Uh, <laughs> there's a point where Cagney shoots. Yeah. You know, there's no squibs or anything. It's just, you know, fully working him holding a pistol I was like basically this. yelling bang. Yeah. He was basically <laughs> bang, 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 bang. Right. But you're so engrossed in what's happening <laughs> in the story. You're like. Fuck yeah, he just shot that guy in the trunk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of my favorite parts of Some Like It Hot, um, which is a perfect film in my opinion, is like the gangster pops out of the cake, which is obviously a fake cake, and then sprays the machine gun across this row of gangsters and everybody like spasms in completely different ways, in completely different directions. Like there's no fake blood. They're just flopping around and like, that's it. And as the viewer, as the viewer, you accept like, yes, those people are now dead. <laughs> exactly but there's no special effects everything else is just i mean it's a really well-written movie and that's the problem these days is like oh we'll we'll just cover up our poor writing with special effects quick cuts and yeah well i think part of it too is like that people like banter like the power dynamics in banter are changing where like i think people people are hesitant to be like clever with each other and like innuendo is kind of off the table because so many people abuse it and it can be very like it can be very hard to click up with somebody when you're not playing verbally with them you know what i'm saying it's like one of the top complaints i hear from my male friends especially about dating apps is like i don't know how to approach women no it's a goddamn nightmare i will Hands down, agree with that. There's no perfect answer. No, because it's like, well, I don't want to compliment you on your looks. Can't do it. Right. No. I'm already out of the running. Nope. If I have Rapist. Some, <laughs> creep. Yep. Total creep. I know. I. Why told, are you looking at my pictures? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you posted a picture of you in a bikini. Yep. Game over. But and I swiped and right. You're not allowed to look. Right. I definitely swiped right because you're, you're a posted pervert. A picture. You're a pervert. I am a pervert, but that's neither here nor there. I support you. <laughs> well, I am. I am the crazy person that has links to this show in my dating apps. Hell yeah! And my profile says I'm a red flag wholesaler. Ladies, he's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> For about a month. <laughs> Ladies, he's really cool with an expiration date. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I go bad faster than milk. Oh girl. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Like one one of the biggest complaints I hear from men are like, I have no idea what my opener is. And the women, like the heterosexual women I know, um, like their number one complaint is like, it's just guys saying, hey. And it's like, bitch, that's because he doesn't know what else to say to you. Well, and on top of he's, it. He doesn't know what he's allowed to say to you. I don't know what I'm allowed to say. Half the time, they have nothing in their profile. Zero things. Zero things. It's like, oh, we're going to pull up Tinder right fucking now. Yeah, let's do it. Let's see what. Let's swipe up in this bitch. Let's, let's do some swiping. I'm happy to advise you. Oh, I mean, I'm shallow. I Ask a trans. <laughs> <laughs> Ask a trans on who I should be swiping. How on. bad is it? <laughs> okay, so. First of all, heterosexuality is a scam. <laughs> okay. But we'll we'll start with Jennifer here. Uh-oh. I mean, I'm not attracted to Jennifer. Not not my cup of tea. Oh, she's cute. Eh. How many candles are on the table? Count them. Uh, are we counting the ones on the birthday cake, too? <laughs> the five. Okay. Oh, she's five years old. Okay. No, there's three on the cake, two on the table. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so, 
So she's three. Okay. She's a very mature three. Three. Maybe 30. Maybe. Or it's a cat's birthday. I don't know. Judging the, the cheesy Eiffel Tower pick. Okay, so she travels. I enjoy, I enjoy the fuck out of travel. That's actually one of the other things in my profile, that I will not date anyone who does not have a passport. Ooh, an interesting, uh, an interesting boundary. Why is that? Um, international travel is one of my passions. Mm. And if you're not down to get uncomfortable and go out into mm -hmm. a fucking city and where you don't necessarily speak the language and mm -hmm. try to check it out, mm -hmm. we're not going to work. I mean, I hear that. What about just the curiosity to, the curiosity to travel, but not the ability? Because it is a privilege to be able to just like blow shit off and go to Spain for three weeks. I agree. Um, I make sacrifices to make it happen. Mm -hmm. uh, 2019, unfortunately, was the first year in over a decade I didn't step on a plane. Oh, wow. I'm so bummed about it. Oh, wow. Um, Just, just didn't work out. Well, 2019 was the first year that I was fully self-employed. I hear you. So it's like, well, I really am a starving artist now. Uh, Welcome aboard, dude. Right, right. <laughs> and that is my half, my decade-long half measures of like, holding down yeah. random day jobs while doing art artistic shit yeah. allowed me a lot more freedom than a lot of artists, but it also stifled yeah. some of what I was doing. It also gave me some crazy opportunities and some just random shit, but... It's a trade. It's a trade. It's a trade. There's nothing stopping you from having a fucking passport. It takes time. It and takes I, I think a lot of people just don't don't think about it that way. Like, they don't, they don't think... Um, about their lives outside of like the day-to-day -day stuff. So that's a priority for you. What, what else is she doing? She's got five candles. She has five candles. Eiffel Tower. But her whole Jennifer, if you're listening, I think you're really cute. Iris Wipe Love. Oh. I'll backtrack it. I'll backtrack that, it. What was that? You shook it and it went backwards? Yeah, Bumble will go back. Oh, is this Bumble? Yeah, it's Bumble. Oh, we're on Bumble. Ooh, it's where the ladies are at. Well, and the thing about it is all she has in her fucking bio uh -huh. is I had no no idea so many guys in LA like to fish. That's not a very original caption. No. Okay, so what would you say? Like, what's your opener? Assuming that you would respond to somebody like this, your opener would be like, I hate fish but love sushi. Do you want to go out? At which point she would be like, you're a murderer and you want to entice me into leaving well, me home. You want to ask me out before we've even had any conversation? That's also a red flag. I, I we're, Yeah. And the thing about it is I'm a very verbal person. Mm, mm -hmm. so, I, I gathered. You, you figured that I out already? I picked up on that. And because <laughs> I'm a good listener, oh. <laughs> a lot of times when I'm writing shit, it's just like, oh, that sounds stupid. Oh, that sounds stupid. Or unless you know me, you won't realize that I am wildly sarcastic almost all the time. Yeah. So that does not translate well in text, Gen especially to someone who doesn't yeah, know me. Say when you don't have that base already, it's just hard. So it's like. Oh, you just come across like a dick and your profile says that you're a red flag wholesaler. So you sound like an asshole and you might be a murderer. Right. Next. Next. Yeah. Well, let me let you judge my profile. Let's do that. Yeah, let's see the profile. Let's see what, do you have any fish pictures? No, fi fi <laughs> no fish. Okay. This is a cute picture of you. How old is this picture? Uh, it's a couple of years old. Who's the dog? Uh, that is my former co-host's dog. It's a very cute dog. Oh yeah. Brody's the best. How do I look at oh, your swipe up? Swipe up. Not interested in anyone who doesn't have a passport. I have a passport, but I don't think I'm your type. Ah, uh, well, I we can also, be friends. No, thanks. I'm open to that. <laughs> I will now enter into a romantic friendship with you Aww. in which we say nice things to each other, but nothing ever happens. Perfect. Mm, I also host a podcast, and now we drink. Find it on iTunes. And then it has your stats, 5'10". 
Works out. That's a lie. Don't want baby. Or don't want, it's a baby bottle. So I assume yeah, don't you want don't kids. want kids. Okay. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. I drink out of a cup because I am an adult, not a baby bottle. <laughs> no. It says here you don't shit your pants either. Good job. <laughs> That's also a lie. <laughs> Accidents hey, happen. Hilarious. It says right here. Yep. Never, never smoke weed. Smoke cigarettes socially. Uh, cigars socially, but I found a big ass cigar on the ground this morning, and I was really good about not picking it up. <laughs> I'm fine. Okay, this is also a good picture of you. This is you wearing a funny shirt at a birthday party, holding the leash of an invisible dog. Oh, no, the dog's just cropped out. I mean, I believe that there is a dog <laughs> just walking around with a leash, which is a different thing. Okay. Picture of you and a friend. Yep. Uh, picture of me and a celebrity, actually, but he is my friend. You know, what I appreciate is that you were very honest in your comments here. Like, I like that it's just very straight up. It's like, I think a lot of people go to great lengths to make themselves sound better than they are. And uh, I feel like one of the reasons that dating apps or like dating virtually or whatever, I think one of the reasons that those things break down is that you're basically like you've got competing PR firms. Right. <laughs> it's like, this is the person I want you to think I am. Well, and then you also have to add in that my Instagram's there. So there's that yeah, the Insta- problem. I think that that's great, though. Do you do you find that people like jump in on your Instagram and check shit out? Uh, I definitely had a girl that I was talking to. I mean, this is a couple of years ago at this point. Where we were talking, and this is before I linked my Instagram to the dating app. She's like, do you have an Insta? I'm like, yeah, here you go. Uh, I got a text back a couple hours later. Like, do you work in porn? I'm like, occasionally. I've never been male talent. It's all production work. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not interested. I'm out. That's interesting. So like, I've dated guys like you. I'm out. Like you. Right. Oh, my goodness. Like, okay. Wow. I mean, I'm okay with the trash seeing itself out early. Yeah, I was going to say. But it's still, it's still like, okay. I live a very eclectic lifestyle. I mean, same. So trying to, I don't know, maybe it's different in the gay community, but in the hetero community, selling that to someone who's Mm -hmm. not a sex worker, not. And someone who's maybe already coming to the table with a lot of distrust. You know, I feel feel like these newer apps like, like Bumble or Hinge, the ones that like are supposed to give female users more power. Like, I think that that sets up the expectation that you're that you're already sort of antagonizing each other. Like a man is bothering you or, or it's like, what, then why, why date men at all? I guess I just don't understand. Well, and on top of it, 1000% of the time, women just say, hey. Yeah. Because hey. <laughs> they got nothing to do. Uh, yeah. What's your opener? I don't know. This is why I do a lot better in person. Oh, I do too. I do mm-hmm. too. 100% like meeting me at a bar and like, oh my God, the guy is just, same yeah, shit. It's fun and, and easygoing and he knows how to have a good time and we're both already here. And that's, I mean, that's how people did it in olden times. Is I it know. Not? I mean, that's the problem with the decline of pool halls. Oh God, I love pool halls. I, I am a shitty so pool much. player, but I appreciate pool halls. <laughs> but I talk a good game. <laughs> no, I know. It's just like, you are going to beat me solidly at this. See, that's a great opener. But I'm still going to hang out and, you know. That sounds fucking great. What I'm hearing is that you're you're very, you're easy to have fun with. That, you that's the goal. know how to work a jukebox, yes? Oh, of course. You're going to be fine. I have the touch tune apps in my fucking phone. <laughs> occasionally, occasionally. Actually, this is one of my favorite things to do in life. And it's super dickish. Is when bars have 
the Touchstone app or like any of the digital jukeboxes and they have not processed out the metal. Oh shit. <laughs> it's just dropped like 20 bucks in metal into the fucking jukebox and all on Play Now you are my captive. Boop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that has met with mixed results over the years. I had a bar in Cincinnati, Ohio, or in Newport, Kentucky, whatever. You know, same fucking area. Yeah. Just kept hitting skip from behind the bar. Oh, shit. Like, why is this not ending? No refund. <laughs> Eventually, he's like, I'm like, dude, why are you skipping my son? He's like, you're driving my patrons out. I'm like, correct. Well, it shouldn't be in the jukebox then. Weak sauce. He's like, I'll buy you a couple shots if, you know, Damn. we're making this cool. I'm like, okay, I, I'm, I'm bribable. That's great. My favorite dive bar on the east side of Portland uh, used to have a bunch. I don't know who put them in there. I think it was a former bartender who was no longer working there. Spent a lot of time playing pool in that bar and listening to the very early Sonic Youth albums that had been left in the jukebox and just never removed. And it's true. Like you get to about the second solid minute of just like, like feedback and shit. And people would the more sober ones would start to kind of drift out, smoke break, you know, but whatever, man, it's a par. It's not supposed to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> but on the flip side, I've also, you know, if I'm actually trying to you know, curate the party, I'll put on shit like Al Green and that's good stuff. Uh, actually, uh, let's stay together. Got me laid in Austin. They, that song fucking works. No, yeah. No kidding. I was in a bar called Valhalla. Go on. By myself, because <laughs> Bobby had to deal with his kids, so he mm. left me to my own devices. Oh, boy. And I'm just, you know, loaded up the jukebox, put on some Al Green. There's some other stuff in there. And the small wedding party rolls in. And all of a sudden, me, the bride, and the maid of honor are singing along to Let's Stay Together. And oh, my God. We're drinking, and all of a sudden, the bride's like, One of them is married. Right. The other one, maybe not. The maid of honor was definitely not. Hell yeah. Or if she was, she wasn't talking about it that night. Not that night. Exactly. Weddings uh, make people crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the bride, the bride then was like, oh, we're going back to the hotel. You want to come with us? Yes. Yes, yes I, I do. do. Uh, me and the maid of honor immediately went back to her room. Hell yeah. Thank you, Reverend Al Green. Right. Thank you. Thank you. And. The bride is such a G. She, well, because <laughs> she came by, like probably about ten minutes later. Like I had to answer the door in a towel. Oh my god! So like, I think I left my person here. Like Just check it. Yeah, exactly. Check. And I actually like turned out the lights, went through the motions to look for the purse. This is amazing. But like, okay, yeah, the purse, cool. Kind of like was the purse there? The fuck no. It was a ruse. Of course, it was a ruse. But I'm here. In a that towel. was a welfare check. Yeah, it was a welfare check. I'm in a towel. And like, good for you for being a good sport about it. Yeah. Well, no. Some people wouldn't. Well, or shit would get weird. You know this. No, I don't know. I guess you don't go home with a lot of men that you meet in bars. No, no. Huh? Have you considered trying it? See how the other half lives. <sighs> I mean, I don't think my penis is very attractive, so I don't think other people's are going to be more attractive. It doesn't have to be about the penis. Maybe they just want to hold hands by dinner. <sighs> well, uh. <laughs> I'm a big fan of tits. Uh, what's not so like? Though I, I've had this conversation on air before. Like, I've never slept with a trans woman. Uh huh. But I'm curious. I'm curious to see, you know, if she had a vagina, how it would go. I hear good things. I've heard good things. But one of my other friends is like, could you get past, you know. What do you mean? Get, there's but, nothing to get past. Well, the, her voice, depending on Oof. where her voice is. People get very touchy about voice, I've noticed. Very touchy. 
Mm. It's funny that that's the thing you you gravitate towards. It's like if all the, you know, if all the physical stuff is what you would be into, it's the sound. Right. And I don't know. Well, because you'd be swiping on dating apps or you'd be looking on Instagram and you'd see a trans woman who's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, she's a woman. She's she hot. is hotter than, in a lot of cases, most women Hotter than a standard issue. <laughs> yeah. Well, because she is actively worked at it. Well, it, it's funny that you put it that way. Like my mom, I remember, I, I should never talk about gender with my parents. It was <laughs> such a bad idea. But my mom went on this whole, you know, two cocktails into the night, goes on this whole screed about how trans women are taking us. I use that us very loosely. Uh, They're taking us backwards because, you know, feminists have worked so hard to like be judged not by what they look like and to discard these like patriarchal beauty standards like the armpits thing, like body hair or breast implants or makeup and trans women are taking us backwards. And I'm like, so what you're saying is that trans women are really hot and you're threatened by that. And that Like the way that another woman expresses her femininity, it doesn't reflect negatively on anyone else. No. It's like she's hot. She's working it. She's on Instagram with her titties out. God bless America. (laughs) Why are we complaining about this? I'm not. Like she's got six digit followers. God bless America. Like maybe you should step your game up if it bothers you. Perhaps you should step your game up if it bothers you. Ask her how she does it, how she contours her makeup. Or just like why shame somebody for something that gives them pleasure? I I really don't understand. Like it's not hurting anybody. No. Just Just like anything else. Like I do a bunch of, you know, unusual things, I guess, but it doesn't hurt anybody. My choices are not a reflection on someone else's value. True. But the other thing with like, you know, a, not a heterosexual dude such as myself, if I were to pursue a trans woman, mm-hmm. someone might get hurt in that. I may find that like I am uncomfortable in that situation and that may be problematic. I think it's good that you think about these things ahead of time. Um, well, and a lot of that comes from my involvement with porn because I see yeah. it with people wanted to date porn stars yeah, all the time. And it, it's like, why is it because you automatically think about sex when you're with this person, you think it would be better is well, it because they're a star? I think it's a, it's a couple of levels. It's one, you automatically think about sex because you view this person as like a perf- someone who's professional at having sex. Two, this person is the object of desire for many mm-hmm. other men. Mm-hmm. Like, so So there's like power there. Yeah. There's, hey, look, cachet. I'm, I'm dating Jenna Jameson. Right. She loves me. Right. She, She, who is a professional at sex and knows everything about it, likes me the best. Ergo, I am the best at sex. Right. And that is well and good in most cases until, (laughs) well, until they have to go back to work. The fragility. <laughs> oh yeah, so she has to go back to work and then it's like, wait a minute, you're saying you had sex with two women without me for 14 hours? Or sex with two dudes. Or whatever. Or six dudes or 10 million dudes. Right. Generally it doesn't matter. Just I think one would probably be enough for most fragile men. Right. You, you did what? Exactly. It's like, yeah, and then I did his fucking taxes too. I did them so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an accountant, motherfucker. I actually used to know a porn <laughs> performer who was a CPA. See, CPA, why not? <laughs> uh, 
a lot of stability in that industry. <laughs> well, she went from being a CPA to being in porn. Yeah, girl, if you can get it, do it. Oh, that was a whole messy thing, but yeah. <laughs> boyfriend turned her out, basically. Oh, yeah. man. See, that that's but a drag. Then, I don't like that part of the story. Well, then she embraced it, like ended up leaving him. And mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, like I, I think like trans women especially are like automatically sexualized. I mean, I came out. I'm not a trans woman. Um, I came out as non-binary trans in like 2018. Um, so a couple of years ago. And at the time I was in a relationship with a straight guy. He was a good guy, you know, quote unquote, good guy, your standard issue, square bear. I didn't think good guys were standard issue. Guys that call themselves good guys claim to be standard issue. You said that, not me. Okay. I'll say it. Like a standard, standard issue, white, cis, straight man. And I believed what he told me at the time, which is like, I love you no matter what. I love you no matter who you're going to be. You know, I love your body. And that was fine until I was like, so transition, which I put off because I knew that like for a straight guy, like there are certain things that you need. They're yeah. just not negotiable. Just like with anybody else's desire, like they're just not negotiable. So I put this shit off and I got really depressed to the point where I couldn't get out of bed. I had to get a therapy dog who is a delight. Um, it was just very hard. And so I finally was like, look, dude, like I can't choose between like my mental health and your desire. Like just because you want to fuck something that looks like a girl, I can't sacrifice myself for that because also like it, like sex is not forever. Sex is only part of love. It's not all of love. And that is when the relationship really started to break down because it took a lot of arguing to get him to admit it. But like, yeah, he would miss my tits. He was going to miss my tits. And like, they, they were great. See, I, would have been like I received several phone calls the eve of my top surgery from men expressing condolences on the loss of my tits and, and, and sharing with me how much happiness they had they had gotten from i'm like this this is great i'll set <laughs> you're sending my tits flowers this is great <laughs> it's really bizarre <laughs> rest in peace tits rip tits yeah <laughs> one guy was like oh yeah you should just uh you know go on like a go on like a topless tour to like fund to fund your shit you just go around i mean let let people look they're about to be gone but uh but yeah like what what i didn't realize like the the physical part of, of the transition like had its own struggles like for me and definitely strained the relationship. But what I hadn't considered until later when I started talking to other people who were like, yes, I still date straights. So I still date heterosexuals. I'm like, oof, go with God. Um, it turns out I had not considered, but it turns out that when you're dating a straight man and you start to look like a boy, he starts to look gay. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. I hadn't even thought of that. I'm like, oh, part of this might be that you're not comfortable with people thinking that you're a fag because you, uh, internalized homophobia and whatever and like all that, like you just, you, you can't deal with it. No, and that's the thing because at least as in my adolescence, you know, doing anything less than, that was less than masculine mm -hmm. was, you know. Yeah, you bullied. Yeah, you get bullied, you I mean, I also come from an age where, like, the idea of masturbating was, you know, less masculine because you couldn't get laid. That's why you yeah. had to jerk off. Got it. 
Oh, you're still jerking off. Why don't you go fuck some women? Exactly. Wow. That's wild. That's wild. And I don't know if that shit still goes down. In I mean, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does because teenagers don't change. True. They don't change. They just stare at their phones more now. They get they get the TikTok and then they bully each other online. <laughs> but yeah, I hadn't thought about like what that meant to a guy. I thought, you know, because for me, like when I love somebody, I love them. Like that's it. Period. End of sentence. I love you. You're going to be old someday. I hope I outlive you and, you know, rip us. You know. <laughs> do you really hope you outlive them? I'm, I do. I want to outlive everybody that I love. So... Uh, my grandparents made it to like 97. Oh, wow. And it was hyper depressing being around them mm-hmm. because it was just like, yeah, we have each other, but we our friend, all happens? our friends, all our friends are dead. Yep. And no one wants to invest time in because us. they see us as dying. Yeah. Yeah. They remind us. We remind them of their own mortality. Mm-hmm. They see us as dying. Mm-hmm. And it's just like. That sounds like hell on fucking earth. It is. Your body's failing. You have. My my grandma's 91 and she says it's very hard going to your friend's funerals. I mean, I was in the room. It was just her and my grandpa. They were married for 65 years. Her and him and me in the room as he took his last breaths was just the three of us. That is fucking rough. I have never been so honored to be somewhere before. And I remember having this awakening. I mean, for me, selfishly, like at the time I was in yet another relationship with yet another man who just wasn't stepping up. And I had tried everything. And then I'm at this event, like watching my watching my grandfather die, like with my grandmother's hand on his heart as he passed. And I thought... If I can't have something like this, I don't fucking want it. I am ready to be that person for you. I am ready for that. I am not going to waste my time on somebody who I couldn't do this for. But I think everyone goes in with the best intention of wanting to be that person for some, well, ideally that they want to be that person for someone. And then it's like, oh, nope, there are some uh, problems here. There are problems. It's it's just interesting seeing the way that people like, try to fall in love over and over again and it's like do you even know what you want like do you just want to date for a month or do you want to date for three months or are you looking for your fucking soulmate do you even believe in soulmates well that's i noticed soulmate was not on your profile definitely not (laughs) definitely not so (laughs) can i amazon prime myself a soulmate with this dating app (laughs) right please send her i I have prime (laughs) i want it today she might be trans well, let's see if I can pass the voice. Yeah, right. The voice. I think trans women's voices are sexy. I mean, it's just like any other humans. Some are probably sexy. They're all some different. Exactly. I mean, I've definitely been with you know cis women whose voices are super scrabbly and mm-hmm. Tracy Chapman voices. Yeah. But if you were to ask me legitimately, like what I'm looking for, I tell myself I'm I'm looking for a soulmate. I'm looking for you know. The one. The one. And then my longest relationship was the girl who left here this morning, 10 years ago. Got it. And we were together six months. Your longest relationship is six months. Yeah. I think that's legit. Yeah. Did you learn something about yourself? In oh, yeah. That I was a giant fucking coward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
holy shit, dude. The Cave of Wonders is open. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I you know, some people never figure that out about themselves and they continue deluding themselves for a lifetime. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm fairly self-aware. <laughs> I have gathered as much. Um, but yeah, I was a giant fucking coward. I definitely couldn't admit it at the time. Well, it's not fucking Amway, dude. Relationships are not like, well, you had a six month, so now we're going to give you a nine month. <laughs> like there is no leveling up. I think we well, just like, you just jump in the pool. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Jumping in the pool is sometimes difficult for me. Yes, it is. Well, and uh, part of the problem I know for myself is when I fall, I fucking fall super hard. Mm. Like I am not the same yeah. fucking person. Yeah. It is all the way in. Yeah, it's all the way in, and it's fucking bad. Uh-huh. It is fucking bad. I mean, that's why this weekend, like these last couple of days, have been a fucking roller coaster. Yeah. Because, like, her, her and I went from being platonic for years to the first night she's in. She's feeding me off her plate, like, oh. doing kissy shit. We were out at the bar oh. the other night. She's, like, scratching my back at the bar and, like, just, yeah. You know, oh, my God. Cutesy couple shit. Yes, that's couple shit. Yeah. That's very romantic. It is. And the problem is she's an unreliable narrator, so I can't get the straight story up. But like, are you just trying to fill some hole in your emptiness right now? Why are you doing this now? What do you want? Where does she live? Chicago. Thank God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But she said she's probably going to try to come back for my birthday. Oh, on the 9th. Yep. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yeah. It's That's a Tuesday. uh, It's a Sunday. Sure. It's a Sunday. <laughs> but, it's too bad. Airfare is lower during the week. Right. <laughs> but it, it's just one of those things like. I, it, it's fucked up on my part. We're like, I was because things were going well, was starting to dread it, like dread what was going on. I'm like, yeah, everything's going great. This is way too comfortable, way fast. Yeah. Like, I'm very consciously aware that this girl. When we split is usually, it's pretty fucking messy for me. Yeah. She is going back to Chicago in 48 hours. A sane person would just enjoy this for what it is and go about their day. But we're not sane. No, definitely not. Why start now? (laughs) Right? Also, love is not sane. Love is an emotion that makes ordinarily logical (laughs) people just, I speak from experience, just fucking nuts. Well, and that's part of the reason I think I hate it sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's because I am normally a pretty logical person. Yeah. So it's like, Oh, I'm just going to do oh. illogical shit. <laughs> I have checked out. <laughs> Fuck. I am completely out of whack here. Yeah, that's real, though. It's like, you know, every time I break up with someone, it's like I post something like no highs, no lows. No highs, no lows. I mean, that's. <laughs> I guess we get there at some point. I don't know. Or we die alone. <laughs> I don't think anybody truly dies alone. I really don't. I think that. My my hope anyway is that regardless of whether or not I end up with a long-term partner, like I will have my family and my community and my friends. Like I don't need to have anybody around me, but I know what I'm connected to on this planet. Yeah, I don't have the family connections like that. I'm mm-hmm. not close to my family. I broke up with my parents this past year, but I have other family members. Cool. Yeah, they're not all total bastards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, your parents are fallible human beings. Yeah, among other things. <laughs> <laughs> hey, believe me, I don't have a, <clears throat> before my father passed in 2017, I hadn't spoken to him in seven years. Oh, wow. 
I did make sure that he was in a good home. Did you make up with him before he nope, died? Sure didn't. God bless you. I He came down with Alzheimer's. He was going to end up a ward of the state because he had nobody. So I made sure that he was put in a good home. That's but good. that's it. That's fucking it. Mm-hmm. And what really is shitty is <clears throat> I think the home neglected him because they knew we were estranged. Oh, got it. Because he they would, knew you wouldn't come by and check in. And... Right. Oof, that's fucking rough. Because he, we checked him in in May of 17 and he died of pneumonia and Alzheimer's complications in October of 17. Holy shit. Yeah. He was 72 and in good physical health. That's up until, rapid. Exactly. Dude, that's fucking weird. Yeah, unfortunately, no lawyer would take the case. Oh my God. That's fucked up, man. Right. And it's, on one hand, him and I didn't never had a good relationship, but I wouldn't wish that shit on anybody. Oh, no, absolutely not. Except Hitler. Fuck that guy. <laughs> uh, hard pass on fucking Hitler. Yeah. He's a vegan. <laughs> <laughs> Cousin fucker. <laughs> no, I'm sorry about your dad, man. Like, Well, I mean, that's just part of life. Did you find that there were a lot of people like pressuring you to reconcile? Oh, fair enough. Okay. How did you deal with that? No. <laughs> no. Nope. Well, on top of it, he had Alzheimer's. Yeah. What real reconciliation am I having here? Who am I reconciling for? That's interesting that it happened that way for you. I have a friend who whose mother was a fucking terror, bipolar, eating disorder, like, whoa, up, down, speak of highs and lows. Right. God damn. Who just like terrorized my friend for the duration of her life. And then her fucking mother comes down with fucking Alzheimer's. And you know what? She forgot that she was a mean person. She got, <laughs> she comes down with like dementia. She loses her memory and she becomes nice. And now they have a relationship. They didn't speak for 10 years. So from what I gathered from the hospital, my father was still a bit of a prick. All right. Uh, in his dementia and his Alzheimer's, he thought he worked there. Oh, and like kept being adamant about what work that they, you know, what do I need to do? Like, <laughs> did they give him something to do? I don't think so. Mm. Probably mm. what led to his decline, but because he was in his early seventies, I'm yeah. sure he was much younger than and most. Physically fine to do yeah. whatever. Wow. I'm sure most of like the other, you know, inpatients were, you know, much older. That's wild. <clears throat> so it was just like. I mean, what I did catch a ton of shit for is I just donated his body to science. I think that's good. Yeah. Why Why wouldn't you? It's perfectly good. Plenty of people were like, you're not going to do it. Like, no, actually, I was going to skin it and, and wear, I was going to wear him around. Not nah, bigger than him. That wouldn't fit. It'd be fat and a little coat. <laughs> just the hat. That's weird. Yeah, pe- people get very touchy about those relationships. Well, especially one of my good friends who his father passed away years before mine. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty close to his father and was very broken up when his father passed. Yeah. Was definitely projecting about how I handled my father's situation. Yeah. It's hard to like, again, like having having experienced my grandfather's death in such an immediate and profound way. Um it's also the first time in my life I've ever seen my own father cry. Like the only time. Um, it's been, you know, in a way like my grandpa's death set the bar for my own relationships with like my dad and my mom who were almost to the one year anniversary. Like they they sent me a long 
single-spaced letter informing me that we are now estranged because I'm a bad person and I'm a disappointment. The list of the things they have done for me and the ways in which I have failed to live up to what they wanted. Okay, well, first and foremost, fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. I mean, I didn't respond, but like, I think the fuck you came across pretty, yeah. I mean, pretty first loud and, and foremost, clear. Disappointment. I'm a goddamn human being. I'm an adult. Exactly. Who? I don't. That's your fucking problem. I'm an if adult. you're just it, this is all very much like wrapped up in the transition stuff. But like, I can't stop thinking about like my fucking father, who is just as stubborn as I am, if not worse. <laughs> I'm like, this motherfucker is gonna have a fucking coronary in the front pasture and like die staring at the sky thinking I'm so glad I didn't make up with my weird kid like I'm just there's been so much pressure from other family members to like why don't you just make up like I don't want to I don't think I've offered the olive branch and been brutally rebuffed oh then yeah fuck that I just don't even know what to say at this point and so like there's nothing to say so it's reassuring to hear that like maybe I don't have to do anything no you definitely don't I, because I come from not great parents, I've always valued friendships over family. Mm. Um, I was, I mean, I've been the black sheep for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I dropped out of Hebrew school. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I didn't get bar mitzvah. But I didn't. Baruch Hashem. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, one of my three phrases that I <laughs> Hey, I played a rabbi in a porn once. <laughs> did you have to wear pants? <laughs> I did not. Just the yarmulke. <laughs> just the yarmulke, baby. <laughs> no, I did wear the pants on stage on Showtime when we won Best Comedy. Oh, hell yeah. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> um, yeah. I, and because my father's family, yeah, pretty much had already scattered to the winds like uh, his parents were dead before I was born. Mm. Uh, he had one aunt that was still alive. She had Alzheimer's. Uh, he had his other aunt's kids, like his cousins that were white trash in Northwest Indiana. Right on. Like I very much remember cause they, they were Christian cause she had married a Christian guy. So they were all Christian. Oh boy. And I remember we used to go there for Christmas when I was a kid. Cause where else are the Jews going to go on Christmas? <laughs> the fucking movies. Well, yeah. It's a tradition. I know. I know. Uh, But he would go see his cousins on Christmas. And I very much remember at a young age, like, being told racist jokes. (gasps) And, like, not comprehending why they were funny. These are bad Christians. Yeah. These are bad Christians. Most of them are. I've met a couple good ones. I find the people that claim to be the most religious are the worst people. They literally are the worst. Yeah. They are literally the worst. It's like, it's in black and white, dude. It's in black and white in that fucking book you're supposed to be reading all the time. Well, I worked as a private investigator for a couple of years. Hmm. And I had to investigate more than one pastor. No. For like workers' comp fraud. Fuck. Shit like that. Shit. Yeah. It was always the super devout religious guy that was hyper fraudulent. I am appalled and not at all surprised. Shame on them. That's just, that's insane. I do not have, uh, uh, I don't know, like. I mean, that's all anecdotal on my part, but that's, no, that's still what I experienced. Those great stories. <laughs> I, I would love to watch a movie about busting a super, like, super horrible pastor for, for fraud. Yeah, no, nothing was like. I would watch that. I had to, there was one guy, one pastor who had definitely running a for-profit church. 
because it was one of these churches where well, it's you know, not a church. Well, it's one. It's a tax shelter. Exactly, but it was one God's these, tax shelter. It's one of these churches where like your donations will come back to you tenfold. Oh, when the Lord like, prosperity gospel, right? Such fucking bullshit. It was a prosperity gospel in Beverly Hills, and this guy is out on workers' comp for. Yeah. Uh, I forgot who his employer was. Taking advantage of people. Right. That's fucked up, man. So they sent me in there to actually attend the service. <laughs> Did you wear your pants? No. Shut up. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I attended the service. And this is a small congregation. Okay. There's like 25 people. he's just people. fleecing them. And he's just fleecing them. <gasps> but I had to meet everybody. I had to go into prayer circles. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, let me ask you a question. Even though it was bullshit... Were these people happy? Was it helping them in any way to have this spirituality in their lives? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I was there for a day. A day. I mean, they seemed happy. They seemed like very, you know, everyone was super accepting, happy I was there. Wow. They welcomed you. Yeah, welcomed me in open arms. There was never any suspicion of like, why is this dude here? Huh. They just took you in. They just took me in. Encouraged me to come back. That is a Christian virtue, in my opinion. Right. I mean, the flock. I mean, I say that as, as uh, you know, I, I've been sober for a long time. I've been sober since 2007. And the whole keep coming back thing, that's fucking real. Well, I, I, I'm, there's definitely believers and good people in the flock. I feel it's the shepherds that are actually the wolves. I think that's very well said. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's, I don't know. There are a couple of things that really make me angry, and one of them is when spirituality is used to harm. And I think that's just so fucking wrong. Yeah, well, the whole prosperity gospel thing. Just, it's bullshit. Yeah. It, it's bullshit, and it, like, it teaches you that you're not, first of all, that you're not enough, and second of all, that... God's a slot machine. God is not a slot machine. <laughs> like, in my spiritual community... <clears throat> which will remain nameless as it is an anonymous program. Um, we talk about like in, in the literature, it specifically refers to like why, why the idea of a Santa Claus God is bullshit. It's like, you don't just fucking make a list and say like, I'm just going to be really good. And when I'm good enough, God will reward me with these things that I specifically asked for. And that you won't appreciate because they were just handed to you. Exactly. I mean, here's a, here's a spiritual story. Okay, they say that God answers every prayer. And sometimes the answer is yes, where it's just like, whatever you want, right away, traffic parts, the lights are all green, boom, 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 no problem. You're there. You're there before you knew it. You have the aid of a higher power. Sometimes the answer is no. And no matter what you try, what you do, no matter what path you take or what strategies you employ, the door is closed. The lights are red. It's just too fucking bad. You have to give up and move on. Well, because someone else asked for a conflicting wish. And more often than not, my friend, God answers your prayer. But the answer is, if you insist. It's a monkey's paw. It is a monkey's paw. And like for me, I, you know, it goes back to what we were saying about waiting. Like I have to be okay with not having my way. And waiting... And being waiting and being ready for the yes when it's really obvious is very different than just having like low grade whatever I wanted because I wanted it. Human beings are very dumb. 
Oh, I, I am, as a human being, I am very comfortable saying that out loud. <laughs> oh, I say I'm fucking stupid all the time. I just invited chaos into my life fucking 72 I hours ago. I that chaos was fucking feeding you Thai food. Lucky. <laughs> well, yeah, but that wasn't expected. That could have gone a bunch of different ways. You come in my house and you feed me Thai food. <laughs> how dare you? How dare well, you? But I mean, how fucked up does that say about my emotional state where it's like, Oh, everything's going great. This is a problem. I mean, is that something that you wanted? Like, is that a yes, a no, or, or an as, if you insist? I mean, I, I know you're an atheist. I saw your dating profile. <laughs> I just want to tell you I was raised by atheists and I'm I'm down. So uh, I'm. It was one of those things where like. It instantly felt right. That's a good sign. Yeah, that's a fucking terrifying yeah it's terrifying absolutely terrifying sign but when a when a yes is real obvious that's that's good it is except that the person i can never get a straight answer from the other party on what's going on he said not a a narrator you can rely on yeah she is an unreliable narrator is her name ishmael (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's a trans woman she looks like a a white whale Mm. yeah it's just one of those things where like Part of me is like, is the other shoe going to drop? Like, is, you know, at the end of the day, even if everything does go perfectly. What is that? What does that mean, though? What is perfect? What would be perfect? She moves here. She gets a job. You two buy a house together. You raise small chihuahuas that terrorize bad pastors. I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea what perfect is. I mean, this is why I'm a constant honeymooner. (laughs) (laughs) The honeymoon period is great. Right. I am... I am absolutely a constant honeymooner. That's why my longest relationship was six months because the honeymoon period ended. Well, with her, she just did a really good job of treating me really well. Hmm. And we stuck out past the honeymoon phase and then shit got real and I fucking panicked. Because mm-hmm. it was different than what you'd been kind of led to expect. It wasn't even a little different than what I led to expect. I'm sure I've talked about this on air, but... um. So she has a kid uh-huh. and she was a single mother with no real support system at the time. Oh, wow. What a badass. I, I mean, she was just kind of thrown into it. It was just one yeah. of those things. And I 100%. So my, my parents' situation is similar. My father married my mother who had was a single mother with a daughter from her previous marriage. Mm-hmm. And I saw that providing for children made my father a miserable human being. Like he worked two jobs. We always, there's always food on the table. He was a decent provider. He was just fucking miserable, miserable and angry all the time. And resentful of you. Yeah. That's not a good feeling. No, I was, I mean, it's, it's chicken or the egg. Like, did I become a shitty resentful kid because of how my treatment or yeah, yeah. I, I see. Or did he become resentful because I was a shitty, resentful kid? I guarantee you it's not because you were a shitty kid. Oh, I was definitely a shitty kid. For what it's worth, both of my parents worked stable, full-time government jobs for the duration of my life, and they were still resentful of me. They okay. have pensions. They are provided for for the rest of their lives. They are totally fine, square, vanilla people. They are still resentful of being parents. I think it's just the nature of some people. Like some people are just not meant to have kids. Nope. And I think it's wrong to punish a child because you did something that you didn't think was going to go this way. Well, the problem is our grandparents' generations were 
you know, put pressure on everyone. Like, when are you going to pump out kids? Yeah. It's like, when are you going to have children? When are you going to have children? Like, you're just here on this planet to pump out fucking kids. <laughs> That's what you're here to do. That's so funny. I have a kid. He's 11. Um, I had him when I was, let's see, I got pregnant when I was 23. Like you do. And Thankfully, uh, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> God knows I keep trying. And then uh, I had him like a couple months after my 24th birthday. And my family was horrified. I was too young. It's like, bitch, I was married, you know? Um, and it's just, it's just funny to me when I think like, well, my grandmother had three children in short order starting when she was 20, you know, like I, 23 is average in my family. But I also think like, I'm the only, I'm, I was the first cousin on that side of the family to have kids. And honestly, if I hadn't had my son at that special moment in my life, it never would have fucking happened. You know what I mean? Like there was a brief window where reproduction was possible. I'd just seen Idiocracy. Like it felt really important to reproduce. <laughs> Not uh, Harvey Danger's flagpole like, sitters. Put a smart baby in me now. <laughs> but like if it hadn't happened, then it wouldn't have fucking happened. See, that's what I'm terrified of. Is some of the people I sleep with, they'll get my looks in their brains and oh, we'll all be fucked. But they'll have a great <sighs> Tinder profile. Funny, cool. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm blushing. I'm blushing for the audio audience. He's definitely blushing. But, you know, <clears throat> I don't, I'm, I'm also losing my voice, apparently. It's great for podcasting. The leftover whiskey from last night helps with that. So, <laughs> 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 <you> right up. <laughs> Did it make your other problems go away? Uh, no. <laughs> no. I mean, it contributes to a lot of them. Womp, womp. Um... <laughs> I don't think I'd be a good parent. I don't think I have the skill set for it. I think it's really amazing that you recognize that. And you'd be amazed how many of my peers are like, oh, no, you'd be a great parent. I'm like, cool uncle. Oh, yeah, I am a cool uncle. I, that doesn't surprise me at all. He has uh, listeners. He has big uncle energy. <laughs> it's very good. But not everybody's cut out to be a father. No, fuck no. I'm, I'm selfish. I am selfish as fuck. Mm-hmm. I like making poor decisions that only negatively affect me. Ooh, go on. <laughs> like, hey, this international trip, probably not in, in the budget. I was going to say, if you like traveling at the drop of a hat, parenthood is probably not for you. Yeah. Unless you have a really good setup with your partner. Well, yeah, but I want my partner to come with me. Yeah, I know. Like, I, I want my partner to experience the world with me. Yeah. I mean, that is the other problem with my dating is like, I'm a shit show who keeps it together. Mm-hmm. And Aquarius. Yeah. I feel you. Finding another shit show that keeps it together is so fucking same, hard. At the same pace is right. the thing. Because it's easy to find someone who has that going on, but is also totally self-contained. You know, I think that when we keep our chaos to ourselves, like it's just not chaotic anymore. It's just like you're it's just This is my routine. It's just my thing. Yeah. This is how I am. But yeah, finding someone who like orbits at the same speed can be challenging. One thousand percent. Well, it's a challenge I have not accomplished. That achievement box is not lit up on the Xbox yet. <laughs> like, I've definitely dated women that were like, "Oh, you are amazing to yeah. party with. Oh, you can't turn it off." Yeah, Hold. I can handle you for forty-eight hours, or I can handle you for a night, but it's not like I can't do this every day. Right. I and and I think that that's a big step too. Is like, I mean, for me, 
you know, I, I divorced my husband, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like 10 years ago, <laughs> no regrets, highly recommend divorce as a rite of passage. It's really good. Um, gotta get married first. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. I fucking said it. And I haven't lived with a partner since. And it's been really instructive for me to be like, oh, so I can be crazy about somebody and want to have a future with them and date them consistently, but we don't have to fucking live together. You're saying that we could live in separate houses and still be in love. That like, for some reason is, is a revolutionary thought for me. Because oh. I always thought that like, you know, you fall, like my parents told me this mantra, like every single day growing up, you ready to hear it? You want to hear the mantra? I do. Okay. You can put it on a 45. First you go to college, then you get married, then you have children in that order. And like, I had that shit done by the time I was 24. I'm like, okay, I did the college and I did the marriage and I had a baby. Now what? I'm supposed to be happy now. Right. And it didn't work out, you know? Um, and I, you know, and I've met a lot of, I, I'm, I think I'm a, I'm a good parent considering everything else. You know, my son has a lot of support in his life and so do I. What does your son feel about the transition and everything? He's completely fucking easygoing. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he's, he uses, um, he started using my, my pronouns, uh, without comment. I've kept the dialogue open. Um, he was a little concerned when I had surgery because it's surgery, but like he introduces me as his mom still, I'm always going to be his mom and he loves me. Um, the other day he told me that I'm very handsome, which I thought was really sweet. Like he's, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. But like about, about being parents, like, I don't know, man. Like, I think most people are not cut out to be good parents, but that doesn't stop us from wanting to have kids. Well, yeah. Cause people just are governed by their goddamn lizard brains. Yeah. Like really good. lizard brains has come in people. I mean, I got to tell you that sex specifically for the purpose of of conception is really fucking hot. I mean, I like finishing the people. It doesn't mean I want to have kids. <laughs> Breed me. <laughs> uh, Red pill porn, not my thing. <laughs> I mean, I've often put a libertarian in me. <laughs> oh god, oh god. No, I have often said that like I should just start keeping Plan B, uh, Plan B pills as dinner, you know, <laughs> dinner mints. Yeah, like it's it's your pillow mint. Like that's after, amazing. Here you go. Here's your turn down service. Here's your Plan B. That's right. I heard that at the Playboy Mansion they had little candy. Dishes of like erectile dysfunction pills. I have a feeling it was like, here's your ED pills, here's your lewds. Here's, uh -huh. the here's the next 20 years of your life. Oh. Yeah, babies, man, I don't know. I don't know. I just think there's a lot of pressure. I think, I think some people have creative babies. I mean, I dated this man who definitely said he wanted to have children. And... Um, you know, after doing a little bit of investigation about like what that means, why, how would that look? It basically turned out that he had this fantasy that was deeply tied up in the opening credits of The Lion King, uh, where basically like my man wanted to have an experience where he was holding his presumably son, big surprise, and he wanted to have this like Simba moment. Yeah, I'm like, I am not ruining my body, taking myself completely out of commission 
getting knocked up for nine months so that you can fucking hold a baby and think Simba. Like we are not doing fertility tourism here, man. Like that's fucked up. No, you are stuck with that thing forever. Correct. They don't go back where they came from. I know I've tried. And they're actual humans. Like my kid is fucking rad. Like he's easygoing. He's fun. He's got better taste in everything than I do. And like he's a cool one. But they're not all like that. Oh, no. And you have no control over what you get. No, I'm hell. One of my biggest fears, like if I were to breed is like if I would have a mentally handicapped child mm. does. I mean, there's it does, not like it runs in my family and there's any realistic fear of like, oh, yeah, you have a one in 10 chance of having a kid. with. But just the idea of it's that additional challenge yeah. is terrifying. It's intimidating. I have a friend who has two children who both have autism and like. They are incredible parents. And I'm like, I don't think I'm equipped to handle something like that. I mean, like I said, I feel very lucky that I got a relatively easy kid who is a good communicator and like very easy to get along with, go along to get along kind of guy. Not everybody gets that. Fuck no. I definitely got an easier child than I deserved. <laughs> hey, I don't think we deserve shit in this world. Look, so. he may end up being addicted to heroin at some point, at which point karma will strike me down. But like, you just you just have no control. No, not at all. Because I mean, they're people. They are people. Like having a kid, like basically you sign up to have your heart walking around outside of your body and there's nothing you can do to protect it. Yeah, doubly hard pass. Yeah, this whole thing about vulnerability, it's actually really hard, and I don't like it. <laughs> Not a fan. Not a fan. That's if what... you haven't engaged that already. Right? <laughs> Same, and that's why I write fiction. <laughs> like, my characters can be vulnerable. And... My characters are very vulnerable. You know what really fucking pisses me off, though? Like, they say you shouldn't read your own reviews, which is true, but I do because I don't care what other people say. Um, and almost every review that is negative about this fucking book is like, they, they assume that I'm, they're like, this is too real. It's too honest. Or it's like, it's too close to the writer's own experience. And I'm like, first of all, you don't know me. Right. Second of all, of course it's fiction. Jesus Christ. Why can't this be made up? Why do you conflate the author with their work? Why do people do that? It's just easier for them. Well, they don't do it to men, do they? I mean, other than Tarantino being a foot guy, which is... <laughs> I mean, I don't want to, like, make any assumptions, but signs point to foot guy. <laughs> I believe he's actually on record saying it, so... Okay, well, then that's fine. Yeah. But, like, why why do people assume that the writer is the story? Like, the director is the film? Like, why can't those things be separate? Because it's easy. It's just easy to be like to put you in this nice square box like that mm. oh this is you this is your story this is i mean how many times are they going to let an author write something that's wildly different than what they're known for well it's yeah that that's true like the the genre pivot is hard it's just weird to me because like you know you see men writing um like sci-fi for example and at no point are we like yeah that motherfucker spent three months in a space suit shitting in a space diaper you know, no, he just invented a fucking religion. Or exactly, El Run. I mean, we're stones throw from Scientology right now. I shouldn't be so loud. Hey, you got some fucking stones to throw? Bring them over. I'll fucking huck a stone. Just hit the celebrity center. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. Oh boy, but yeah, it's just it's just weird to me. Like I I don't understand, you know why why a man can write like 
sci-fi, which is great. I love sci-fi. And no one is like, oh, it's totally unrealistic. Like, you know, you you didn't do that. That's not your experience. And then on the flip side, if you write fiction that seems real, people are fooled by that. Like, my characters may as well be on the fucking moon because this is not real. It's a story that tricked your brain, much like porn tricks you into thinking you're loved. <laughs> porn definitely doesn't trick me into thinking I'm loved. Okay, I think we watch different videos. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, I watch videos for people that aren't speaking English, so. Right on. Do you remember that movie, Tromeo and Juliet? Oh, yeah. Of course you do. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Big trauma energy. But do you remember when Romeo, like, I will never forget seeing that movie for the first time and being like, Romeo is watching porn and he's watching porn, like, of this naked, busty woman being like, I love you so much. I love you. You're my soulmate. Over and over again and just being like, whoa, <laughs> that had not occurred to us, dude. No, no. <laughs> That's another level of lonely and I feel for those people. I just want you to tell me you love me. Mm-mm-mm. I don't love anybody enough to make a video like that. <laughs> hey, plenty of people make plenty of people cash in. Ugh. Ugh. That's, that's a kink I'm not ready to explore. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely prostitutes who do the whole girlfriend experience. Girlfriend experience is a thing. It seems like a lot of work. It's, it seems like a ton of work and it's got to be emotionally draining. Well, you're a man. What do you expect from a girlfriend? But, See, this is why I'm single. No, <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I'd be creeped out if you were like, glad you asked, Foster. Here is my list. <laughs> I have brought the receipts. Hold on. Let me get it on my phone real oh, quick. Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> let me just, you know, oh, oh okay. there's, the, there's the note. Well, that's kind of a big question. So, like, let me ask you a question that's been bouncing around in my head for a minute. Okay. Um, would you date somebody who doesn't listen to your podcast and doesn't care about your work? Hmm. Doesn't listen to the podcast? Fine. That's fine. Hmm. This is two hours a week, every fucking week. You don't have the time to devote to it. You get enough of me in so real life. I was going to say, like, is a time issue is different than a, it's not to my taste. And it could be not to your taste. I'm 100% sure someone who is intimate with me doesn't want to hear me talk about how I caught chlamydia one time <laughs> or other people I fucked or. Or, I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like the ideal partner is totally into hearing those stories. The ideal partner. Probably is. But the partner I end up with yeah. may not. That's fair. And I if everything else fucking works. Uh-huh. And but not the podcast. But yeah, but not the podcast. But if you don't respect the fact that I have to put in this work mm. mm -hmm. that I you know, hey, I can't drive you to LAX this morning because I have a podcast scheduled. Got it. That's a problem. Mm. When it becomes a conflict, right, and when within the like when you don't, this does not generate a ton of money. This is not like how I make all my living. Mm -hmm. But if you don't respect that this is my fucking business, we mm -hmm. have a fucking problem. I hear that. I think. Um, I mean, I've definitely dated people who were like fans of my work, and those relationships are a little different than people who are like, "I hear you're a writer. That's cool." Oh, I mean, I definitely was sleeping with kind of dating someone who definitely was fangirling about mm. being with me mm -hmm. and it freaked me out. Did it make you nervous? Well. Did you talk about her on the podcast other than this moment? I pro I'm sure I have. Maybe we should. But it, there was a, there was a couple of things that just 
did not sit right. And one of them was bragging to people who know my real last name, who know me in real life, bragging about spending time with me and bragging about spending time with me using my stage name to people who know me in real life. Oh, it just didn't sit well. That's weird, right? That is a that is a little bit of a weird thing. Like Bobby, one hundred percent. Like that's not weird. I call you Slayer all the time. I'm like I'm not inside you. That's true. <laughs> when I'm inside you, you can use my real name. <laughs> right. When you're bragging to people about spending time with me, and that you know I'm inside you, you can use my real name. <laughs> he, was, he was inside me for longer than that podcast. Oh. Uh. <laughs> and then there was chafing. Oh. Ran out of lube. So sad. So sad. But Normalize yeah. lube. Normalize lube. <laughs> it's not? Not for some people, no. Well, I'm glad I don't sleep with those people. I was going to say, some people get insulted. I get people who are insulted when I don't have any. <laughs> like, what? You don't have lube? I'm like, fuck them out. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh. <laughs> uh, fuck. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Sad trombone. Deal breaker. Yeah, I well, mean. Well, that's when you use a lot of saliva. A lot. A lot, a lot. Olive oil. I haven't tried that. Good, good short term. It de- depends on what you're into, I guess. <laughs> hey, trying to fix the solution. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, I- I'm glad you're on the same page with me about it being gross to like for someone to use my stage name. I think that's creepy. Yeah. And I think that's creepy. I think it presumes a level of intimacy that isn't earned. And it's like, if you're, if I'm going to bang you, like we should probably have that conversation ahead of times. Like you're not, you know, I don't know. I, it, it suggests that this person wants to insert herself into your life in a way that she's not necessarily welcome. Oh no, she definitely did. 100%. Because this was a girl that also lived in Chicago. I see. And this was probably not the smartest or best move on my part, but I was drunk and horny and I just offered to fly her out and I just flew her out. You sure you're not a lesbian? <laughs> I might be. I may just be really butch. You're a hisbian. I'm a hisbian. But I yeah, embrace you. <laughs> yeah, I just flew her out. Like, and then she kind of was nuts. Well, I mean, she wasn't necessarily nuts. We had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun. But... That really, and then, you know, this is the second time we've hung out. Like, yeah, we were talking on the phone a bunch. We had banged a handful of times at a porn convention in Chicago. Cool. But she's like, yeah, I really love L.A. I, I think I'm going to move here. Okay. Um. Okay. Bragging to people back in Chicago who know my real last name. Like, no, Matt Slayer flew me out to L.A. And I'm staying at his place in Matt, Hollywood. Not his real name, Slayer. Right. <laughs> like. To people who know my real last name. It, That's weird. Yeah, it was all just like... She sounds kind of out of touch. It it all was like... And then you add in the fact that my father got diagnosed with Alzheimer's while she was here. Oh, boy. And she, her father had passed. And she's just like, yo, yo my dad's died. I, you know, if we, you want to talk about this, I'm like, well, we were definitely not at that level. No, that sounds kind of codependent, man. Like, you, you're talking about Mundele already. In order to help me through the grieving process that I'm absolutely not going to share with you. <laughs> right, right. And just, Ooh, that's it was too much. It was just that's a lot. Too much. It was a fucking lot. It does sound like a fucking lot. But like, you, you probably encounter this elsewhere in your life, right? Like, at some point, like, if somebody, if somebody starts like going around with you and like y'all are going steady, at some point, she is going to have to accept that she's also dating the brand, right? Yeah. 
Um, she's dating you and she's dating the show. And my online or persona. Who, yeah, I was going to say, like, there's there's a couple layers to dating someone who is a public presence. And who overshares on the internet weekly. I mean, if oversharing is part of the shtick, then it's part of it. Then that's it's become it part of the shtick. Because you get a couple drinks of me and I'm just like, I got no filter. Let me tell you again about the time I caught chlamydia. <laughs> I've had a couple of friends of mine be like, stop telling that story. Uh, no, never stop telling that story. Like, uh, and that's the thing. Honestly... I think that is one of those things where that should be more normalized. That shit happens. It's nothing to, be, nothing to be ashamed of. Dude, I reviewed this really hilarious book that was like, never, and what was it called? Um, never wear, never use condoms in the hot tub or something like that. Like, I'll look up the title for you. I reviewed this book. It was basically a collection of like sex horror stories. And it was sold um, as a as a fundraiser for Planned Parenthood. <laughs> it's like the things that ha- that brought you. What brings you here today? <laughs> we should like we should talk about that stuff. Yeah, and the woman who gave it to me, who still to this day adamantly denies it. Mm. I was not upset that she gave me chlamydia at all. I was pissed off by her lack of ownership in the situation. Yeah, honesty I think is is very important, especially around that stuff. And I don't even know if it was really a malicious thing or just the crazy timing of it. But either way, she, her and I, this was a woman that we had been hooking up on and off for months, like when I first moved to LA. And the deal was we were non-monogamous, but we weren't using condoms with each other. Got it. Other partners, condoms. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and actually, on odd irony, uh, the ex that just left this morning Moved in with me for a month at about this time. I see. And uh, my, I guess, primary. I hate that term. I don't whatever I you want to call shit. it. I hate this bureaucratic shit. <laughs> Fair enough. The girl I was banging on the regs. Your fluid bonded primary partner. Yeah. Wow, I'm so woke. <laughs> You're such a hisbian. <laughs> um, was not about that life. Mm. She, yeah. she felt threatened. Oh, 100%. Fuck, dude, I would have been too. Anyone in their right mind would have been. Mm. Like, oh, hey, you know, the girlfriend I broke up with five years ago that I really had super hard, strong feelings for my most successful relationship. Yeah, she's just moving in with me. NBD. We're just hanging out. She's like my bro now. Right, right, right. No right. way. Right, right. <laughs> um, you should be grateful that all you got was chlamydia, man. Right, it's <laughs> not a, a night. head injury. <laughs> just but... Me and the ex were platonic during that point. Like, we never hooked up while she was living with me. Like, none of that ever happened. Okay. But I definitely, like, left the apartment pretty hot and bothered because I was not fucking my ex-girlfriend. Yeah. And when she was around. Yeah. She was around. In the air. Bra and panties just hanging out in my apartment. Oh, my God. Kill me. Um, So I went and, you know, hooked back up with my my fluid bonded primary. (laughs) oh <laughs> uh, well, that's so ridiculous to say i'm gonna just start just, using that you sound really cool when you say it <laughs> so we bang um and that was the last time we banged like she just was pretty much done with me she at that point like, fuck you and fuck this well uh, part of it was she had a private like facebook group with friends and accidentally drunkenly was bitching about me on a public post when it was meant to go to that private friends group. Oh, man. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck's this shit? How about we don't do that? That's bad. Yeah. But 
so I ended up getting diagnosed with the chlamydia. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, I was symptomatic because I let it slide a little too long. Mm-hmm. That was not cool. Mm-hmm. Um, How are the antibiotics? Yeah, just a week of just pills. Just regular. Yeah, just a week of pills. That's no cool. biggie. Um, I hit her up. I'm like, hey, pissing dirty. Mm-hmm. You should go get tested. Which is the decent thing to do. Right. And exactly she wasn't even speaking to me to at this point. Like, I texted her like, hey, can you call me? Remember how you're not speaking to me? We need to talk about something. Right. Exactly. It's like, hey. Did she call you? She's like, what do you want? It was that hostile. Wow. Somebody's butt hurt. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I'm like, yo, hey, came back dirty. You should get tested. I've only been fucking you. Yeah. I know we're not monogamous, but just fucking you. Yeah. Um, Which is fine. Right. Like, you go get monogamous and just have one partner. It's fine. It wasn't for a lack of trying. I'm just saying, dude. I only got so much time in the day. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do that many (laughs) push-ups. I'm going Kennedy styles. I got a bad back, girl. Kennedy style. (laughs) I've never heard that before. Oh, JFK supposedly, like, due to his war injury, had a bad back. Oh, hey, girl, I got a bad back. Yep. Made Marilyn Monroe do all the work. You know, that doesn't surprise me. She comes out, she's like, I came back clean. You obviously got blackout drunk and fucked somebody else. I feel like you would have said something prior to this. Right. And I was like a pretty honest person. Right. I, I, also, how can you have non-monogamy if you're not completely transparent with each other about your sexual habits? It's exactly. not safe. Exactly. And the thing about it was she claims that she had just done a round of antibiotics for a lung infection. Mm. She's like, mm. well, those aren't chlamydia antibiotics. I'm like, they're antibiotics. That's not how antibiotics work. You take antibiotics, they kill bacteria. <laughs> some bacteria sometimes when they're taken is directed. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's bananas, man. But yeah, that was her response. Like, what do you want? Yeah. What do you want? Obviously, you fuck somebody else. Oh, yeah, but I just did a round of antibiotics. So you never found out if she had it or not? Oh, I mean, she claims she didn't. I guess it doesn't matter. It doesn't. I mean, I just went, okay, cool. My penis will never go inside you again. <laughs> I and my penis are completely broken up with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, <at laughs> I'm going to take this... my balls and go. <laughs> right? Taking them. <laughs> right back to my yard. That's right. Well, and that's the Stay thing. Stay safe, kids. Exactly. If she had taken any ownership in the situation, I would have been fine. Or even like de-escalated it maybe by saying like, I didn't know that or I will get tested. Just like responding in a way that acknowledged I mean, she got, she went and got tested. She she said she did. I, I mean, get her and her results aren't your problem. Right. They're not your business. Right. But when I'm being accused of being dishonest because she came back, you know, negative. Mm. Oh, that's fucked up, man. Like, cool. Trash saw itself out. I also feel like, you know, the stigma around STDs is or STIs is is just, I don't know. It's well, just so arbitrary. It's like, should you not be proud that you were getting laid? Well, think I about feel it. like that's number one for me. I'm like, yes, I am getting laid. Ergo. <laughs> well, and that's how I feel about buying tampons for women, too. Like, mm-hmm. hey, hey, someone trust me around their vagina to pick these up. She's a lady. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But the other thing about STIs <laughs> that should be less of a stigma is if your partner got gave you the flu or yeah. a common cold, would you be like, fuck you, you're out of my life? Absolutely. I beat them to death in the flu. <laughs> no, of course not. Right. But you sneezed on me. Right. You got me sick. I'm running a fever now. Fuck you. Like, mm-hmm. no. No, mm-hmm. as long as there's no trust violated in the cause of this, you SD. asked me to sneeze on you. Right, <laughs> that was a consensual infection. <laughs> 
I just want to build up my immunity of measles. That's right. <laughs> I don't think we like consent to infection necessarily, but like everything is a calculated risk, like in sex and in love, in right, relationships, just, everything's a calculated risk. I'm I just totally saying, agree with you. You're not going to kick somebody to the curb. Probably not. I might be pissed at them if I'm like, you know, this is not necessarily a rational thing, right. but like if I get sick and I miss four days of work because you gave me your cold like a motherfucker, I might be cranky about that. Yeah. If I, you might, don't... I might like you to bring me soup. Exactly. And like make it up to me a little bit. I certainly know where the cold came from. Exactly. But that doesn't mean that we're I, that either of us is like morally bankrupt. Exactly. Mm. And but the minute it's like, oh, genitals are involved. You and your sneezing dick. <laughs> it's a crying dick, actually. Crying dick. You and your weeping willy. <laughs> oh, I think we just came up with a new name for gonorrhea. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, people just got to get over it. I think that, you know, again, like, God bless the response to rape culture because I feel like the... Like at least the the conversation around consent and around like have have you have been with a partner recently? When was the last time you got tested? Like it's not necessarily sexy, but like the conversations you have prior to getting into bed with somebody, I think are beneficial to everyone. I think there's a way to have those conversations in a way that's sexy. Yeah, when you're taking a drag off your cigarette afterwards, like so. What was the last time you fucked someone else? <laughs> you remind me of my mother. <laughs> nah, I'm not into short fat dominatrixes. Whoa, that makes one of us. <laughs> Hi, mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> Ladies. Actually, I don't think she's current on the show. She told me she's a few episodes behind. It's so nice to meet you, Mrs. Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think I think there's a way to have that conversation that's like affirming and sexy, and not like, would you please fill out this form? Man, I was so bummed when Mad Magazine went out of, when they closed. I Fuck. Okay, so they did a spoof of like, I, it was one of the first Pierce Brosnan James Bond movies. It was like, I think the first. Golden Eye was the first one. It was the Golden Eye one, yeah. And they did like the cartoon spoof. And there's, you know, some like really dishy looking like lady spy whose tits are out. And she's like, take me, James Bond. 007 me with your 007, you know, all this, you know, it's Mad Magazine, so it's completely over the top. And James Bond, they're making fun of, like, feminist James Bond. Motherfucker whips out a clipboard and is like, do I have permission to touch you on your, you know, and then he reads the, on this, on that, on the other. She's like, yes, yes. And he's like, well, I need you to sign this. We'll have it in triplicate. I need to return it to headquarters. And, like, it was making fun of consent culture. Chappelle did that, too. It's still funny. Oh, yeah. Chappelle's uh, the whole, you know, hookup contract. Wouldn't you rather know ahead of time? Yeah. So, you Tom know. Hardy makes people sign an NDA if he takes them home. So does Jared Leto. God, I would, do. So. Would you break the NDA if Jared Leto took you home? Uh, one of my recent guests did. <gasps> okay, so. I don't know that I'd break the NDA, but all my friends would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. She she is a starving comic. And she went, if he sues me for this, it's going to make my career. So She went home with him? Uh-huh. Did he put the pointy teeth in? The pointy teeth? Didn't ask. She just said it was very awkward. That doesn't surprise me. And apparently it was like an ongoing thing. Did she just sign the one NDA that covered all of their encounters? 
or did she have to sign? I need to know if this is a recurring basis kind of thing. But I just had this vision of there being a bowl of condoms and a stack of NDAs next to each other. What are these or what are these? You staple them together. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Don't break the plastic. <laughs> oh, you can staple the wrapper to it. Be like, there's expiration date on the NDA. Dude, speaking of, I have heard some wild shit about used condoms. My goodness. A while back, I worked at a, uh, a hospital. This is a long time ago. And there was an ongoing case where one of the employees um, who worked for a philandering doctor. They'd been having an affair and he, of course, denied it. Like the relationship blew up. She's punishing him and being a crazy, crazy, like rejected human. And he's like, never happened. I'm happily married. I'm a doctor. You're my employee. Like you're my less, you're my whatever. Um, and she's going off and she finally lost her shit and went to HR. And uh, homie denies it and denies it. She's got emails. She's got text messages. He denies it. He denies it. Well, he didn't expect her to have two cookie sheets, cookie sheets in the freezer. Oh, yeah. Of used condoms. Ready to have the semen samples taken and used for DNA. So pro tip to all the gentlemen out there, dispose of your own condom. Unprotected anal saves lives, gentlemen. It ends some too. <laughs> <laughs> There's no cookie sheet. Well, I mean, she could squeeze that over. Don't even know. <laughs> Don't do that with your hand. <laughs> it's easy. You just kind of breathe through it. <laughs> no scooping it out. No, dude. I don't want to see you do that with your paws. <laughs> Two fingers. <laughs> Gotta make sure you dig it all out. Uh, you're really, uh, you know, optimistic, <laughs> mister. <laughs> hey, I've had some big poops in my day. Big poops. A big poop is not the same. Well, it's not the same as my fingers either. But I'm just saying, like, homie, like, clearly didn't have an NDA. And so now we have the cookie sheets that she's offering to bring into work. Well, the problem with those kind of NDAs anyways is, like, you sue them for violating the NDA. You're confirming it, it happened. it becomes news, yeah. You're 100% confirming it happened. I don't know. I, I think, again, like, I think that the consent stuff's important. You know, a gentleman's, a gentleman's agreement, so to speak. I mean, I want to be to the point where, like, I think that some of the people I've hooked up with have signed NDAs. Yeah? But, like... Yeah, this. What would it, what would it even say? Anything we say or do tonight is between us. Isn't that sort of implied? Oh, not in today's day and age. I don't know, man. I rarely talk about sex with the person I'm actually seeing unless something is wrong and I need to either get help or seek guidance from another person. Some of the best writing advice I ever got was never write about good sex. Nobody gives a shit about the good sex you're having. Everybody has bad sex and the bad sex you have and how you deal with it says a lot more about your character. <laughs> true, true. I don't want like an NDA on the actual sexual activity. I just want an NDA on like. <laughs> you have to tell everyone how great it was. No, no. <laughs> I the NDA. No, I definitely don't want you brain. I regularly sit on here, I lay mediocre pipes so people don't get attached. <laughs> on purpose? You're like, oh, she likes me too much. I better start phoning it in. Exactly. <laughs> that Kennedy back. My back, my back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You got my whole, my whole strategy down. You got the playbook. You got the playbook. Oh, man. I heard that Kennedy gave great head. Too soon? Too soon. Too soon. Sorry. Too soon. We can go back to anal if you want. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's what Jackie was into. Whoa. I mean, it does prevent pregnancy. It does. It Mostly. Until you scoop it out. Motherfucker. And... <laughs> <laughs> it's like a fucking neti pot over here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I think I threw up in my mouth. <laughs> oh, you have a book. You have a, a reading. I can't kill you. Ugh, my guts. <laughs> Your agent's like, what the fuck happened? I, I don't know. Maybe I was just on my fifth draft and everybody else was still on their first. And one thing led to another. And now I'm fucking lonely and vomiting on myself. Because <laughs> I'm a real artist and suffering is real. I'm lonely and vomiting on like, myself exactly. in Hollywood. It sounds really actually super vulnerable. It sounds like the plot of Permanent Midnight. <laughs> it might just be. <laughs> I totally forgot where we were. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I forgot. We were having too much fun. Oh, my God. <gasps> yeah, I'm totally... <laughs> <laughs> I think so much I lost my, really lost my train of thought. We were like, talking about consent. Yes, we were talking about and consent. making fun of people for, like, having those conversations ahead of time. Yeah, I mean, it's important. And I'm devil... I would say it's non-negotiable. In my world, it's non-negotiable. No, it's definitely non-negotiable, but I still have to be better about it. I'm an old school dude that's like, oh, we're both feeling it. And like, you know. How do you know she's feeling it? I'm asking as someone who was indoctrinated into date, dating, like. Oh, no. Magazine stuff. I definitely. Is there a move? Oh, yeah. Arm around. Like the move. No, tell, it, tell me the move. It's not the, the move. It's it's just generally like body language, you know, the the light touching, the shit like that. It's like, mm, mm. but I have been wrong. I have been wrong. Where somebody is touchy, but she's not into yeah the rest. Mm. I mean, I've been wrong. And I'll admit I've been wrong. And it's just a habit I got to break myself of. It's something. That, yeah, can I kiss you? Or I just got to become so undesirable. Or so not undesirable. I gotta become so desirable that they just kiss me. That I think a lot of men, that's that's their strategy. They're like, I'm it's, just gonna wait until she can't stand it anymore. She makes the first move, and that absolves me of having to have this conversation. Yeah. And then she goes home and he's like, he is such a beta bitch. Yeah. And that's that's I really like him, but I think he's a cuck. Right. Well, and that, that's <laughs> that's the weird dichotomy that we have to deal with is the fact that like Women want consent. We should all have consent, but I've definitely... I think men want consent too, though. Oh, yeah. I want to be absolved of you know any potential wrongdoing. Yeah, of course. But I've also heard female friends bitching to other people like... He's so passive. Yeah, he's so passive. Like, couldn't he tell I wanted to kiss him? Probably. But maybe not. I mean, I say this as someone who dates women. Like, women can be very hard to read. Oh, I'm all aware. Like, and it's very helpful when someone says, I fancy you or I want to kiss you now or they're like, again, like, I think there's a way to have that conversation where it's kind of like woven in. Well, and I'm hoping as, you know, life goes on and life progresses, more women are just comfortable being like, yeah, this is what I want sexually. Bang me now. Right. Bang me now. This way. You big galoot. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Like, this is what I want. This is what I want. Are you going to provide it or not? How would you respond to a conversation like that? I mean, it sounds pretty great in this, you know, extremely zero stakes scenario, but like. Oh, I mean, I 100%. Some people I have gotten involved with that 
I was definitely punching above my weight class. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, when I was still living in Chicago, a uh, bartender I was seeing for some time. I met her through a mutual friend and we were met at, like at a diner after bar and she's just bitching. Like, I'm working two jobs. I have no time for a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, I'd like to get laid. And I went, I can help you with that. Did she set a timer? <laughs> uh, we made plans to watch Fraggle Rock two weeks later. Whoa. Did not make it through the intro. <laughs> Down at Fraggle Rock. Period sex on the first date, too. Fuck yeah, dude. You are a hisbian. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have said this multiple times on the show. I like it when it looks like I've murdered someone with my penis. You know, you get the red wings in your in your Hell's Angels leathers if you keep doing that. I mean, just from here to here, just fucking I'm not murder scene. I'm not complaining. No one ever does. There's nothing to complain about. It's actually funny. I've had more women than like, I've had to convince them to be like, period sex is fine with me. Let's do this. You just fucking put down a towel, dude. It's exactly. not a big deal. Exactly. It's like if I wanted to have sex with a rubber doll, then I would do that. But I want a human being who smells and tastes and feels like copper. Yeah. Like fucking dirty and alive. And yeah, I only fuck mammals. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Consenting mammals. Consenting mammals. <laughs> yeah. That's where I'm at too. But I've had so many women who are just so self-conscious about it. Mm. Well, that's cultural. Oh, I know. But I'm like, no, girl, I'm down to fuck. Like you're dirty or. I'm down to fuck. Man. I'm down to fuck. Let's do this. I'm down. I am ready. I'm ready. I am DTF, man. All right. Condom, no condom. I don't care if you're bleeding. Let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> like a cannibal corpse on blood and come on muck. <laughs> I slept with it. I was, I was fine. Like, I don't have a period anymore. Something they, they tell you when you start testosterone is that you will stop bleeding. Like, I, I haven't had a period in more than a year, which is amazing. But when I did, I was sleeping with this dude who was, we were just like insane with each other. Just like punch you in the face, like, you know, drag you down a gravel driveway, like crazy sex. It Good was, times. It was fucking awesome. Um, and I just remember like we had sex one time. I was on my period and, and like, you know, I think I asked him like, is this like, you're cool with this? It's fine with you. It doesn't seem to bother you. And he's like, it's like fucking an Italian dinner. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I'm like, I'm taking my panties and going home. (laughs) (laughs) I was horrified. That's a spicy meatballer. Exactly. (laughs) Some oregano up in that shit. He was great. What a dirtbag. No one ever looks fondly back on the, the, the passionate, like, oh, sex. I mean, that's what I said. Like, Good sex is so individual, you know, and it's so much like in the moment and it's the right person. It's impossible to convey what's good about it. Nobody gives a shit. But like bad sex is a universal human experience. And oh, when yeah. I say bad, I don't mean like rape and, and molestation no, 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 and just, assault. But like just like it's awkward and something like you hurt yourself. I love those stories. Oh. Injured myself during sex. Got a concussion during sex. Thankfully, no concussions I know of. I gave somebody a concussion once. That was by accident. Sure it was. It was. The bed broke halfway through and he hit his fucking head on the bed frame on the way down to the floor. Not my fault. Definitely broke a futon frame. He still finished. Good man. Thank you. I take credit for that one. But yeah, we're, uh, see, injuries. I love the injury stories. Um, Somebody saw us stories. I just, I just love sex stories. They're the best. It's, They're hilarious. It's a semi-universal human experience. I agree. Or at least if you're going to tell them, make them funny. 
Exactly. <laughs> I, that brought gave me chlamydia. <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving until you take antibiotics. Yeah. Sadly, <laughs> I probably gave it to someone else in that interim, but... Ah, uh, you really think so? Oh, yeah. You contacted all your folks? Uh, sort of. As many as you could. Well, so the one person... You just put it on Facebook. <laughs> Bitches, if you fuck me, go get tested. No, um, Friends only. <laughs> I've, definitely have told, I've definitely told this part of the story, but while I was definitely symptomatic, but was kind of in denial that it was coming in, because it wasn't, I didn't have a discharge or anything like okay. that. I was just peeing a lot and it hurt to pee. Because mm, it could have been a UTI. Right, I just thought it was a UTI. So I was just blasting cran cranberry juice. Yeah, you're like, doing UTI treatment. Right, like, I'm a dude. I'm going to a doctor? Why? Why? It's It'll just a UTI. Itself. Exactly. Walk it off. Exactly. <laughs> so I go to Spain. I have, <laughs> I have a very unfortunate hookup at my friend's wedding. Wow. Where? Was it somebody on the guest list? Sort of, yes. Okay, go on. Um, it was not a good hookup at all. Like, Why? She Did sucked. <laughs> Did you cry? No. Should have started crying. No, but this is the only person in my life where, like, I started to sober up while inside her and went, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? <laughs> and condom broke. Oh, my God. The story. Anybody walk in on you? No. Abraham Lincoln's ghost? No. But no. It, it gets better. <laughs> it gets better. So we finish. She we finish. <laughs> I assume, you sure? <laughs> I assume we finish. I finish. There you go. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. Uh, the goo was in the basket. I'm impressed that you kept fucking going. Oh, I mean, I was pot committed at that point. Fuck. I don't know, man. I don't know. And I was in. You're well, like, we're already here. We're already here. We finish up. And she's like, I'm going to go back out to the party. I'm like, cool. Later. We're in my room at the villa. Oh. And she's like, let me get one of your shirts so I can go out to the party. I'm like, no. No. Put on your own fucking clothes. No. She takes one of my shirts anyways. <gasps> Just like in The Wedding Singer. But it is a Chicago bar shirt, which will 100% advertise to everyone else at the party. I banged the guy from Chicago. Chicago. Who is right over there looking sober and uncomfortable. <laughs> right. The one who pees a lot. <laughs> right. Right. So I crash out. The next morning, she just walks into the fucking room, turns on the lights, collects her shit. Goes, oh, I guess that happened. Ah, oh, dude. And then this bitch doesn't turn off the light when she walks back out. I like that that's the thing you're mad at. Wouldn't you? Like, I'm I'm uncomfortable, but she's a bitch because she left the lights on. <laughs> Who does that? I was sleeping. It's a fucking power move. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that one. That's way better than like lighting your shit on fire in the sink. No, just turning on the lights. <laughs> Not that I would ever do that or have ever done that. I believe you. You should. You should. There's cameras. We can see your face. Truly, like, the the only thing that I did to an ex... Oh, if I could just finish. There's a little bit more. Oh, my God. There's more? There's a little more. Did you get out of bed and turn the lights on? No. Because uh, a moment later, the bridesmaid I had actually been trying to get <laughs> the whole fucking trip walks into the room. And sees I, that the lights are on. Well, and she's like, oh, girl said she couldn't find her person here. Is this missing purse thing like a girl thing that I don't know about? Apparently. I left my purse in your room. So the bridesmaid, who I had the whole trip been trying to get with, who I did not get with on the night of the wedding because we both got too drunk and passed out in separate places. That's really romantic, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, 
Actually, most of the wedding party assumed that we were hooking up when we both disappeared. Instead, I passed out on a pool table and she passed out in the bushes somewhere. That's fucking beautiful, actually. <laughs> it's when I came up from the pool table that I jumped on that grenade this that is I. How you know your marriage will last forever. <laughs> it was like we're under the same bright sky. It's beautiful. But yeah, that was like, oh, well, that's the end of that happening this trip. <laughs> and oh, that girl was so horrible. But yeah. I'm so, but in hindsight, I'm also super happy I didn't hook up with the bridesmaid. I really would have felt bad about giving her chlamydia. Yes, I'm I'm happy that that didn't happen. So, I'm sure she is too. I'm sure she is too. If she's listening. She's she's probably heard the story. She's probably heard the story. But fast forward to I get back to the States, I get tested, I come back dirty. I don't know how to get a hold of the girl oh, I hooked up with in Spain. Oh shit. <clears throat> at all. Guest list. Right. And so I call the groom. Like, hey, this is hyper awkward. Friend, congratulations on your nuptials. Congratulations. You know that girl I fucked at your wedding? So I have chlamydia and I need to talk to somebody. I have chlamydia. I don't really want to talk to that horrible bitch. Can you let her know? Oh my God. She did some other like remarkably uncool things throughout the day after that too. Oh, really? Just like being cruel? Uh, it was shit like, <clears throat> we're staying in a villa like on the Mediterranean. And she was supposed to give one of the other bridesmaids a ride back into the city so she could catch a train to Barcelona. She just uninvited sits down and starts pounding our liquor. And 20 minutes before they're supposed to leave, she's like, I'm too drunk to drive. You got to find your own way into town. I'm like, wow, oh, I had sex with a horrible person. Oh, that's not cool, man. No. That's not good friendship. No, she's just a horrible fucking person. So selfish. So I tell my buddy, like, hey, let her know. Like, I'm, I'm not really doing this for her. I'm more doing it for anyone else she traps with that vagina. Vagina trap. Yes, the pink mothra. It's not how vaginas work. <laughs> well, I don't know where you've been. <laughs> the, the metaphor Apparently things are different in Spain. <laughs> the metaphorical trap of the vagina. I see. I see. Mm, a closed system. Yes. Yes. So he met up with her at the bar because they were bar friends. Oh my god! And also, I question the wisdom of inviting a bar friend to your fucking wedding in Spain. Uh, his wife. Invited everyone, it's like whoever can make it. And oh, I got it. This white she, and she could make it. And this white trash showed up. Whoa, dude. Yeah. Whoa. Um, was zero prompting before you can get anything out. She just turns around, like, I didn't fuck your friend in Spain. Good, because if you had, you might have to get tested for chlamydia. Uh, his response was, Oh, I got nothing to tell you then. <gasps> no, yeah. shit, dude. That's fucking cold. Yeah. That is cold. Uh, that was on him. That's the worst party favor I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I tried to do the right thing. And you you did most of the right thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's my autobiography. Most of the right thing. Most of the right thing. <laughs> Coming in right around 85%. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Hey, it's a solid C average. <laughs> it earns degrees. I'm not failing. No participation <laughs> award. <laughs> finisher's medal <laughs> so to speak <laughs> hey, i would have got my medal that night yeah she might not have but well purple heart purple heart she definitely got wounded in battle <laughs> jesus christ man that's such a bummer yeah it was, that that was the not my shiniest moment i don't miss the drunken hookups i really don't i do and i don't i i just i don't know like i've slept with people since like since i got sober i have slept with people who um were obviously accustomed to having drunk sex. And like, I could really tell, like I could tell by the way they touched me or like 
the type of sex that they expected to have. Like I was like, oh, you're you're used to fucking picking up a stranger and like just going home and going crazy on them. And that that has its appeal, that has its moment and its charm. But I was surprised by like, like, oh, that's that's all you do. You don't know how to do this in other ways. You only know one dance step. I've definitely been there. And 2014, I think of all the partners I had that year, one of them was sober. Uh-huh. I was drunk for every other one of them. Jesus. Yeah. Sobriety and sex scare you? Doesn't seem to. No, sobriety and sex doesn't scare me. It's just... I've met people who can't have sex unless they have had at least a little bit of something to take the edge off. No, no. I'm just much more charming when I'm drinking, so... You think you are. <laughs> the show would say otherwise. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. It just... A lot of 20, 2014 was the year of tragic hookups. Uh, it was it was a lot of, just, oh, yeah, I had drunk sex with this person I shouldn't have had sex with, this person I shouldn't have had sex with, this person I shouldn't have had sex with. For what it's worth, I, too, cut a burning path, but without a drop of liquor in my system. Fuck that fucking year. <laughs> Look, you don't have to be drunk to make really bad decisions. I've been 86 from bars, just completely sober. I have danced on tables, completely sober. I've pole danced, completely sober. Do you have a good 86 story? I mean, I can tell you that there is an amateur, like, there's there's a cabaret night in Portland. And I went with some friends the night that Dave Chappelle was performing in town. And, uh, you know, at the very end of the night, there is an MC who gets up and says, Are there any beautiful ladies who would like to dance on the pole? Dancing on the pole while we play music, you know, whatever. And at this point, like, the audience is very sexed up because it's been an exciting show. They're shit-faced. And most people brought singles. And the music is playing. I'm looking around. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm the only person here who has not had any substances in my body. So I'm, like, having this really surreal, like, Terry Gilliam moment where I'm surrounded by, like... Crazy, whacked out people. Like, this doesn't make sense. You know what? I am. I'm going to get up there and I'm going to show them my pants. So I did. I get up there and I have, like, I've done a lot of things, but I have never, I up to that point, I had never pole danced. I'd seen, uh, I'd seen some excellent examples of the form. Let's put it that way. (laughs) So, you know, they, they have the pole. It's not static. It, It rotates, which makes life a lot easier. And I, I'm fairly physically fit at that point. So I could, you know, do some tricks. I get up there, start taking things off. People start going nuts. Um, I, I'm looking down on the audience, which is primarily, again, middle-aged white women fucking came through for me. Throwing money, <laughs> throwing ones. Dave Chappelle is there. <laughs> like, it's just like, People are making it rain on me. And I'm like, this is the best thing ever. I don't know why I didn't do this before. <laughs> I'm fucking loving it. Um, and that's all well and good up until the point where it's time to leave the stage. I didn't want to leave. <laughs> it's my stage now. I was fucking mine now. I put my ass on it. <laughs> this is my pole. This is my stage. And these are my bitches. <laughs> no, I didn't want to leave. I was I was eventually uh, asked to leave. <laughs> I was allowed to keep my money. <laughs> it was quite a bit. <laughs> Get me in groceries for a couple weeks. Awesome. I was like, fuck, dude, maybe I missed my calling. <laughs> maybe I missed my calling. I don't think there's a lot of uh, demand out there for like non-binary trans strippers who have like big scars on their chest. And like, I don't know. 
what do you think? Well, um, one of the trans porn stars who's done the show a couple of times hosts someone called Trinity Strip. I would completely go to that. I wonder if it's happening while you're in town. I would be happy to see that while I'm in town. I would be totally down. I don't like, you know, dating, dating after transition has been weird. Like I have yet to meet a straight man post op who has the fucking balls to approach me and proposition me for sex. And I don't know what that's about. I assume it's my appearance. Well, I probably. I think I'm... I read more as like a dude now. Yeah. I mean, if I didn't know, I wouldn't assume you had a vagina. Really? Yeah. I left it in the car. <laughs> it's my Mothra. <laughs> <laughs> just trapping dudes on the streets. Yeah, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but just a, you know, at a casual glance. At a casual glance, I look like a probably dude, a, dude, yeah. a pretty femmy guy. Yeah. Not even all that feminine. Well, I move my hands around and then it's like, well, the jig is up. <laughs> but this is Hollywood. You could just be gay. That's true. But it's it's been interesting. Like, I feel like I've definitely had a good run with dating girls. But I've noticed that male attraction is, um, I feel almost like a sideshow. Where they're like, I wonder what it would be like. It's curiosity. Yeah, no one wants to feel like they're the fucking science project. I mean, I don't want, I mean, I see that that could be fun for some people. Like I talked, I talked to Bobby about this and he's like, you're just going to have to find someone who's a real pervert and just, you know, someone who you don't know, no strings attached. And I'm like, that's the problem is that they, they do get attached and I'm not, well, I'm, the, I'm, I don't want to be is like, magical. Sorry. I'm sorry. It is. It's, it's changes lives. <laughs> it literally changes Not always lives. for the better, but. That, that's not in the fine print. <laughs> <laughs> It just says it changes lives. While you're down there, fucking read the fine print. Jesus, it's on the inside of my left thigh. Uh, but no, he's like, you, you got to just find someone who's who's freaky. And I'm like, but I, I kind of resent the fact that you have to be freaky in order to fuck me. You know what I mean? It's like, you, you don't want to do a little candlelight, a little poetry reading. <laughs> well, unfortunately, some of these things are beyond your control. It does seem that tenderness is now off the table when men stop seeing you as a girl. It's almost like that's a performance that guys save for, like, chicks. And if you don't look like a chick, then you don't get that anymore. Do gay men come at you? Or? I haven't been, um, I haven't hooked up with a gay guy post-transition. Okay. Um, I did have a gay man stop me on the street in New York and take my photo. Um, they're great photos. I'm wearing a big-ass fur coat. I look gay as hell. Um, I get hit on, but I have yet to close the deal. I get I get looked at. But I also don't think that I look very much like a gay guy. You know, I, I guess, like, if you're into that. Yeah, but gay guys aren't always into looking for other gay guys. I Believe me, I have plenty of gay guys take a run at me. I bet. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I mean, got the beard. Guys dig beards. <laughs> Everyone digs beards. I know. I wish I could grow one. I tried. It was really depressing. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, I had, like, two patches on each side of my neck. I'm like, this is not... All this is going to do is get me an extra ass grab at TSA. Like, this is not doing shit for me. <laughs> I can't even grow a creeper stash. <laughs> oh, that's a goddamn shame. It is. I keep trying. You know, I've been eating my Wheaties. So far, nothing. More testosterone. Oh, more, more testosterone. <laughs> I'm not a scientist. <laughs> me neither. I don't know anything about this, except that it makes me feel amazing. And I love who I am. <laughs> um, Better that... living through chemistry. <laughs> The, the trans porn star who was on is like, yeah, when I started my testosterone, was, they were, described it as like second puberty. It That feels definitely true to me. 
there were some things that I like that I had kind of anticipated based on what other people said, but the way that I experienced them was totally different. You know, I expected, um, like the nuts and bolts stuff, like physical changes I expected. Um, I was told to anticipate like moodiness or like more like ups and downs kind of stuff. Um, I was not prepared for gender euphoria. Have you heard of this? I have not. Okay, so gender dysphoria is a condition that many people associate with transgender folks who haven't transitioned or who feel uncomfortable in their own body. You don't have to have it in order to be trans, but a lot of people have it. Um, and then the flip side of gender dysphoria, which is the feeling of like for me wearing a rubber suit, it just feels like shit. Like it's like being stuck in a fucking wet suit that's been soaked in someone else's piss. Blech. And uh, the flip side of that is called gender euphoria, which is the extreme high of happiness and release that you feel once you're comfortable. Holy shit. I was not ready for that. Not at all. I wasn't ready for my increased appetite. I wasn't ready for like the energy, the muscle that just came on so easily. That was really different. Um, what's the other one? I didn't expect my voice to be so low. Like right now I'm kind of in the middle because I'm talking to you, but you know, it goes pretty low. It goes really low. <laughs> it dropped really low. Um, that was really weird. I can parallel park like a motherfucker. <laughs> All through testosterone? Seriously. I mean, I have to assume that's what it is. Like, I was always good at it, but now I'm like, really, really good. <laughs> and the other thing that I didn't expect, like, I was told that, like, for some people, their sex drive is really, really high. Like, for example, I have one friend who, when they transitioned, they um, would, like, the day that they did their shot was sex day with their partner. They're like, we just, I do my shot and we fuck like bunnies for like hours. Um, so it was kind of conflated, like the sexual energy. And I didn't have that, but uh, two things. First of all, all of my friends got better looking. I just like, I just appreciate human beauty visually in a way that I did not before. I was never a visual person. Yep, that's, welcome to being a dude. And now I'm like, you're just really beautiful. Like male and female, like all my friends, just like everybody is just, all my friends are beautiful, period. And the other part, okay, before this, I used to get so pissed off if I was going out with a guy and his fucking head swivels around to look at some chicken yoga pants. The swivel is real. I have experienced the swivel. I have done the accidental like cleavage glance and just been like, oh God, I'm so sorry. I, I cannot control where my eyes go. And I always thought that was the weakest fucking excuse. A guy's like, oh, I just can't help it. It's just nature. I'm like, you can control yourself. Well, Broheim, here we are. And I was wrong. I have so much sympathy for men that I had never had before. These poor motherfuckers. You're a fucking slave. You see, you see a fucking thong coming out of the back of a pair of sheer Lululemons and like, it's over. She can have whatever she wants. I know. I know. <laughs> she can have she can have all my chlamydia. <laughs> Thankfully not anymore, but <laughs> But yeah, I mean that's why it's like I don't understand how more women don't take over the world because we are dumb. We are dumb and for that. Distractible. Shit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, dudes are distractible. Yeah. Oh yes. We are physically stronger. Mm-hmm. And we some have, of you are. <laughs> some, of us, yes. some of us are physically stronger. Many of you are not. Well, I, I'm thankfully 
fairly physically she strong. Fine. Yeah, I'm, she seemed fine. I'm doing all right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Like, oh, hey, sex? Okay, what do you need? If you insist, <laughs> I consent. <laughs> I consent. Uh, do you want me to like do your dishes afterwards? It's like, wild. It's yeah. it's fucking wild. I have never experienced that before. And it's so. I mean, the the other part of that is just so weird. Like, it, it, oh, it's, it, it's so it's it's bad. It's fucking bad. Like, just the. <laughs> I want to fuck. Yeah. I want. I want that. Yeah. I mean, I am super happy. I am not a teenager more because the strong breeze, like erection, must pop. Ah! I'm very grateful. I don't have a dick. Don't want one. Not gonna. Not gonna go there. I just. I'm just. And in this phase, especially, I'm just very grateful that I don't have external genitalia that fucking broadcast my feelings <laughs> to the world. Well, I mean, if you get really excited, your internal genitalia still does. I mean, I just assume that I'll drop dead of a heart attack. It's like, oh, she's too fine. And then I'll die. And that'll be it. And you'll be around someone you're at least very lusting after. And then we'll have a bikini funeral. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Please dress sexy at my funeral. <laughs> just don't wear this nihilist arby's hat and it's all. working for you thank you it's a well cultivated look yes classic absolutely classic scumbag metalhead who just doesn't care you're speaking my love language <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh the ex's drunk friend last night was like, what up seth rogan like seriously like, do you think you're insulting me right now like you just called Maybe me insult you just called me very successful Yes. You, you called me a very successful funny person. Correct. So either thank you or thank I mean, you. Thank you, I, I guess. Right. Like your tone sounds like you're trying to insult me. Hmm. But that is a really bad insult. Like I just don't understand why that's an insult. Right. I don't either. Like, do you want to be like, and you have a big dick. Like, <laughs> do you want to throw some other like softball insults Jeez, my way? Mr. Popular. <gasps> <laughs> I don't have a big dick. I'm just saying, like, if she wants to just throw crazy insults my way, I'm also not a multi-millionaire comedian. Go on, go on. Not yet. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you're, I, you'll age into it. Hey, Denzel Washington didn't get famous to like his fucking. Like, I know. I love his work. It was a minute. He's uh, he's sober. You know. You're just you're trying to tell me something that I should be sober. No. Good because it ain't happening. I mean, it does cut costs in some areas. I, I really, I really don't. I know you're teasing me, but I really don't recommend it for everybody. <laughs> It'll turn you into a bitter, judgmental asshole like me. <laughs> I mean, I'm already there. So <laughs> if it gets worse, like nobody's going to want to do this show. Like, <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> And this show definitely does not work very well when it's just me. Oh, boy. Yes, yeah, it's, it's that second hour of the road trip that gets you. <laughs> There's a lot of garbage in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's... The actual trick about the show is, you know, what most guests that are drinking is hour two is where the madness happens because that's when the alcohol is metabolized. Some of us are born this way, dude. And that's I, I appreciate more guests like you because <laughs> there are definitely, you know, I mean, no shade to anyone who's ever done the show, but there are definitely some guests where it's like. Do you want to expound Can on you show that? me your panties or what? I mean, that's happened too. But vulnerability panties. Uh, both. Ooh, you're so vulnerable. Yeah, there's a reason the video is on Vimeo because nudity has definitely happened on this Seriously? show. Seriously? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yours? Sometimes. Wow. I mean, I just generally get topless. Oh. 
My dick is not on the internet. I've made that a point for quite some time. Oh, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You got to save something. Oh, yeah. At least something to the imagination. Exactly. <laughs> like, if you want the mediocre dick, you got to get it in person. <laughs> right around 85%. Oh, yeah. 50% of the time, it works. 100% of the, of the time. time. <laughs> Sex Panther. So good. Which is now the name of a porn like chat service that does not surprise me but that's also really beautiful <laughs> yep, sex panther is a thing sex panther it's probably just bots it's no no real. i know a bunch of girls that make money off of it so basically you you just like texting for money yeah it's like multiple dollars a text do you consider it a compliment if someone is like wow you should sell your selfies yeah really yeah how much would you charge for my selfies yeah what do you think the market value is of a sexy selfie from you? Are we talking like legitimately sexy or like me being silly sexy? What's the difference? You're talking to someone who doesn't see the difference. Okay. Well, I definitely took a picture at a strip club over the weekend where me and two girls were both stick, all three of us sticking our asses at the camera. Okay. That's cute. Yeah. But it's, not exactly. it's, it's three people too. I feel yeah. like you should charge more. There's more people. Well, giving it away on the internet for free. <laughs> Shame on you. I know, I'm such a bad Jew. You are. The so many freebies. I know. <laughs> like, free, me free mediocre dick, free selfies. Is the atheism, like, is that part of your Judaism or? As I like to say, I'm an entertainment Jew. I really strongly support that. I'm so proud of you today. <laughs> Listen, I'm just out here running the media <laughs> on my super-powered podcast. <laughs> well, my first entertainment lawyer was like you remember the tribe right i'm like yeah of course he's like yeah just something about this business brings our people <laughs> jesus <in."> christ <laughs> i'm not jewish myself i'm jewish by insertion not by extraction i've been known to help people with that i'm chosen by the chosen man exactly it's not my fault it's naturally charming and also i love bagels who doesn't what i'm saying no i actually i won't date somebody who doesn't love bagels you shouldn't. Can't do it. They're horrible people. I just don't understand. How yeah. could you miss out? Our lives will never intersect. It's an Ouroboros of pleasure with cream cheese on it. <laughs> and capers and salmon. Deep cuts, friend. Deep cuts. All right. Mm. I'm hungry. Me too. So I think on that note, we're going to actually wrap this motherfucker. Right on, man. So, Foster, where can we find you on social media? Where can we find your books? Oh, yeah. Okay, so this... Uh, <laughs> like the promotion part oh, of the show. Shit, I forgot. <laughs> I'm having too much fun. So my short story collection is called Shine of the Ever. Uh, you can find it at Interlude Press at uh, Amazon or uh, preferably at your fine purveyor of indie books. Support your local bookstore. You can find me on Instagram at CRF underscore PDX. That's also my Twitter handle. Uh, I perform under the name Claire Rudy Foster. And uh, my book tour is taking me coast to coast. So find me, hit me up, send me a DM. I don't charge for selfies. Yet. Yet. Once we figure out the market value. <laughs> get them now while you can. Yeah, get those selfies for free while you can. <laughs> and until next week, you can find me at Matt underscore Slayer on Twitter, Matt Slayer on Instagram, Matt Effin Slayer on Facebook. You'll find the podcast at And Now We Drink on Twitter, And Now We Drink underscore on Instagram. And until next week, drink up, motherfuckers. Heyo.